Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of Utaku Brothers. Before we kick off the episode, I just wanted to um, kind of apologize in advance for kind of the poor audio quality that you're going to kind of experience for this episode. I'm hoping moving forward you will not any longer experience experience the poor quality because, um, as you can see here, and hopefully the quality is is, is far better um, than the episode following this audio. Um, I'm using a Blue Yeti mic. I recently ordered that um, because you know while we were recording, I recognized that the audio for this ep- episode we just recorded um, was very poor. Um, main mainly being because my MacBook Pro <laughs> cannot recognize that I am using two. Uh, snowball mics. It was only recognizing one of them, I think, because they were essentially one in the same. And so um, in prior episodes, Ryan and I were actually recording, um, sitting next to each other, um, uncomfortably so, uh, using one mic. So um, this this uh, episode, we, we um, tested, you know, the audio with uh, one of the blue snowballs and then um, a secondary, very cheap mic. And uh, it's, it's definitely recognizable in this episode. The audio quality is, is very subpar. So I apologize in advance, but I do just want to let you guys know that um, the episode was great. We had a lot of great discussions. So please, um, you know, hopefully you can still find enjoyment and entertainment value in the episode. I think, um, you know, I, I wish we could have recorded it under better circumstances, but that's just that's just the way it is. We're still learning the ropes from for podcasting. So bear with us. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for everyone writing in. And moving forward, Utaku Brothers will have far better um, audio recording. So um, stay tuned for that. All right, guys, here's the episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and tonight I am joined with my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. How are we doing? Good, good. Yeah, it's so, raining outside. It's raining, so we, we apologize in advance if you hear a little bit of thunder and lightning going on in the background. Um, wow. So Ryan and I just spent like an hour just testing audio, trying to get this stuff to work, and... Because, you know, prior episodes, we were recording on one mic and kind of sitting close, uncomfortably close to each other. So that kind of was cause just for... Just embrace um, it. <laughs> that was kind of cause for like a lot of just um, areas in the, in the show where you could hear Ryan better than me or you could hear me better than Ryan. And so um, I still don't know if we've kind of perfected this here. Um, Ryan is using um, a not as great mic as the one I'm using just because we both had blue snowballs and... My Mac apparently isn't smart enough in 2018 to be able to recognize the same mic being plugged in twice into the computer. So I'll probably we'll probably invest in another mic for him, you know, soon. But um, gosh, if anyone has any advice on how to kind of perfect this uh, multi mic recording in GarageBand, please reach out to me because it's frustrating to no end. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is. Uh, but wow, five episodes into the <laughs> podcast, getting into the brighter sides of things. Yeah, um, we're we're excited to record tonight. Uh, we thought it'd be fun to, um, as the fifth episode rings in here, we'll talk about our top five movies of all time. So, should be fun. Uh, you know, I kind of thought going into this that it was going to be a shorter episode. You know, forty-five minutes, maybe an hour. But you listeners came in this week. You came in real strong and uh, got a lot of questions. And yes. one in particular, my buddy Travis. Uh, wow, he 
he decided to write in his top 10 games of all time with reasons for each. So I'm going to read that for the first time, raw impressions, right here on the air later. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, but we also got some other questions, too, that I'm really excited to dig into. So before we get into that, though, we are going to talk about the games we've been playing recently, of course. So, Ryan, why don't you kick it off for us? Yeah, so I've been playing yellow version on my 3DS. Um, yes. I got that um, so I can have it backlit. Um, so yellow version, watching Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm -hmm. And then in the, yesterday I got, it's called Clicker Heroes. It's just one of those like click games where you buy guys <laughs> and you don't have to think is at it, all. Is this on the, your phone or is this? On my phone. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it was like an eShop. It's where you buy a guy and then he clicks a little bit more and then you buy like a second guy who clicks more because he costs more. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to use your brain at all, which is amazing after work. Just listening to Ang doing his airbending and then yeah. clicking things. No, I mean that's it's kind of similar to that weirdo game that I bought. On Where you PSN. clicked mayonnaise. Yeah, it was like is my name is Mayo. It's like the easiest platinum trophy on PSN. It's it's literally ninety nine cents, and I was just like, I. I was just like in one of those moods where like nothing sounded good. Like, yeah. But I wanted to play something. I wanted to kind of just, you know, veg out, veg out play something and. And I, I was looking on um, on the internet. I like just like search for like mindless games on PSN, and like I think also one of my search histories was like easily platinum trophies, and that came up. And I was just like ninety nine cents, whatever. It was really awkward when my wife came out of the room. Yeah, and was she's like, like, yeah, he's clicking mayonnaise out here. I'm just gonna go back into the room. <laughs> Why are you clicking a mayonnaise jar like repeatedly? And I was just like, girl, I got to ten thousand clicks. I got the platinum trophy. Back off. So uh, yikes. That ended real, real badly. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not mayonnaise. It's this terrible time. when your wife catches you clicking mayonnaise jars. Let me tell you. It's e not <laughs> <laughs> For the number of no. <laughs> All right, yeah. what games have you been playing? Uh, that was it. So just yellow version and yeah, uh, I I haven't had much time to play video games this week. That's fair. So work stuff, real so. quickly though, so how far did you get in, in yellow version? Um, I got up to Misty. I was hunting around for Abra. Um, where you could find them in blue and red mm -hmm. up above the bridge and off to the right. There's a little patch. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. I could not see him because yellow version has like a different layout of where the guys are in the grasses. Oh, okay. So you can get Mankey before the second gym. Oh, yeah, in, really? Yeah. Yeah, because when you sent me a picture, you had wasn't Mankey in your party or you were fighting Mankey? I can't remember. I think I was fighting Mankey. Okay. So who but usually you? you can get him later on. Um, but I need to, I think you, you can get Abra as like a... T coin purse kind of guy at the casino uh -huh. so i'm gonna have to make my way over there before i i just don't want to screw up all the trainers so i can get yeah. like nitto king and nitto queen as like a free pokemon the same way you get mew yeah very cool yeah um yeah i downloaded a red version on the eShop a while back but i just it's kind of hard for me to go to that when i have fire red um but i would like to play through it just for the mere nostalgia of it um, yeah. i'm sure that's kind of how it is for you yeah. um so that's all? That's all? Yeah. Cool. What about you? Um, so I've been playing quite a bit of games this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> every time I look on PSN, because I'm just sitting there watching Avatar, it's you have like a different game every day. Yeah. I uh, yeah, I like to mix it up. I get, you know, I have like OCE, I get bored quickly, and I just like to, to dabble in lots of different stuff. But um, I got the N64 out, and I've been playing a lot of N64, um, primarily Perfect Dark, you know, anytime yeah. I mention Convention Perfect Dark. Didn't you say you were trying to get, like, some stupid yeah, trophy thing? Well, so, of course... Or level one? Yeah. So, Perfect Dark multiplayer, um, you can kind of create your character and save it into the system and everything. Um, but as you play, it, of course, gathers data, the number of kills, 
Yeah. Somehow it's tracking the number of steps you take in the game. This is according to the internet. Of course, you can't believe everything you read. Um, but in order, everything to, on the internet is true. It that is that is very according to the internet. Yes, fake news. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> yeah. But um, we're spreading lies. <laughs> Thanks. Welcome to Otaka Brothers. <laughs> Um, wow, see the audio on that like went super high. Uh, and just, someone's eardrum is destroyed. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. But anyways, um, yeah. what was I talking about? Perfect Dark. Yeah, steps. Multiplayer. So yeah, so I read that, you know, you're, you have this ranking, this kind of artificial ranking in the game. You start at like, I think you start at 21 or 22. It's kind of weird where you, where you begin and you progress all the way up to one. Okay. So you're at first you're just... I forget what the name is. Maybe it's just like, uh, like newbie or whatever. And then, then you eventually become like veteran, trooper, super newbie, whatever rank number one is. I don't even know. But um, you have to play multiplayer matches and rank up kills and whatever um, to kind of progress to that number one spot. I told Ryan that I'm trying to get to the number one spot, but I read online that it requires you to get like 8,000 kills, play for I think the equivalent of 12 days take like walk 8,000 kilometers in the game or something like that it's it's really stupid but um I love playing the multiplayer with the bots like I said when I talked about my top 10 games of all time um one of my favorite levels is grid I just oh man that level is so awesome um I, I have like all my favorite weapons you know I, I literally save the 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 uh the combat simulator settings so that every time I start the game I can just click I, I named it grid and I have all the weapons I want all the simulants that I want um, and stuff like that. So I have like Cyclone, uh, the Farsight, Proximity Mines, the Shotgun, uh, the Falcon 2, all my favorite weapons um, nice. settings. So I've just been putting in like 30 minute settings and just going wild with that. Also been playing Mario Tennis on the N64. One of the greatest sports games. One of the, oh gosh, Mario Tennis is so good. I hope, um, I heard the Wii U version was awful. Just like very, they just basically pushed it out without putting any, thought or time into it. The Sounds like most of the Wii U. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're just pumping out games because yeah. they needed to. But, I, you know, the Switch version's coming out uh, later this year, so I'm hoping that... Um, it seems like for the Switch, they're doing... They're actually yeah. preparing they are. for they launches. Are. So I hope it is as good as um, the, the uh, N64 and Game Boy Color versions, because those are fantastic. Um, so that's really all I've been playing on the N64, but um, two other games I want to mainly talk about. The first, um, you know, Dragon Quest Nine was number something on my list of top 10 games. I think it might have been... It's like 8 or 9. 8 or 9, yeah. But I've been playing a game that I never really thought would happen. Um, just the idea of it is kind of strange, but it, it actually works very well. It's Dragon Quest Heroes. This is a mouthful of a title. Dragon Quest Heroes, the, world's, the World Trees Woe and the Blight Below. Try and say that 10 times fast. Wow. Um, so basically, this is just a moose. That got past, like, the board of, like, <laughs> Dude, for a name. Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days got past, you know, so. Well, everyone loves a good decimal. Yeah, they do. But. Uh, what a weird, yeah. Japanese RPGs, man, the naming conventions are so, so strange. But in any case, this or is. Or I guess it's a fraction. I was thinking of. Uh, I wasn't going to. I, 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 no, I correct. I was like, that's, shoot. That's he, why I paused. He, I was just like, ah, oh, Ryan. Yeah, no. <sighs> It's been a long day. Yeah, so, yeah. It's okay. But, um, no, so basically this is just a Musou game, which is, like, Dynasty Warriors. I think Dynasty Warriors or, um, what is, tri not Triforce Heroes, but, um, Legend of Zelda. What was that Heroes game that released on Wii U and now it's on Switch? 
Um, I've only played two Zelda games, doesn't even so matter, I have no but, idea. But basically, this is a Musou game, so you're, you're thrown into a level. There's just like hundreds of guys on the screen, and you're just like whacking away at them, okay? Hmm. What I love about this game is graphically, it looks fantastic. You know, the Dragon Quest games, of course, are famous for their art styles because Akira Toriyama does the character designs yeah. for Dragon Ball Z. Um, so it very much looks like that. And the, the in-game graphics are fantastic, um, but the cutscenes, it's like I'm watching an episode of Dragon Ball Z. It's, it's really pretty amazing. Um, but basically, in the beginning of the game, you start out um, either choosing this guy who looks a lot like Gohan, actually, and then this, this young girl. And you can um, they're going to be in your party regardless, but you can choose to play as whichever one, you know, in the beginning of the game. Yeah. Um, I chose the guy. I named him Gohan. The girl I named Bulma, of course. Um, but as the story progresses, you know, there's like this dark, um, I don't even know, fantasy story where this um, weird mage guy comes in and just wants to wreak havoc in the world. And, of course, you're tasked with saving it. So, um, but um, you basically get four characters, main characters to kind of play as in, in these open world. Bulma, Gohan, <laughs> Vegeta, and <laughs> Goku. No, so... Those are their actual names. No, so basically the guy, he's more of like a warrior, and so is... Vegeta. Bulma, in this case. Um, And then you also have other party members. You have like a tank who has a striking resemblance, the voice and the way he acts, to... um, um, Android 16. (laughs) John Rise Davies, uh... So we game, went two different ways. Game, game went, yeah, you're just you're wrecking. You're seriously ran on my parade right now, man. Really, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Bumming me so. out. Um, no, he reminds me of John Rice Davies or Davies um, Gimli, the guy who plays Gimli. Okay, kind of sounds like him. Um, but he's just a tank. And so what's kind of cool is that on any given level, you just press either L two or R two to switch between characters. So you don't even have to play as the character you select in the beginning of the game. You can kind of switch between characters. That's cool. Um, but there's an overworld map in, in Dragon Quest fashion, and you kind of have a home um, spot that you start in, and that's where you kind of can save your game, um, exchange materials and ingredients for um, for new weapons and armor and stuff like that. Um, it's funny, too, because the Dragon Quest games, when you save, you go up to a nun, and when you save, it's called Confession. It's, oh. It, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a, a funny little, um, like, long-time thing that the Dragon Quest games have always had this, like, religious, almost, component to them. It's kind of it's kind of funny. Interesting. Um, but similar <laughs> to Dragon Quest Nine, what I really love is just, of course, grinding for a new piece of armor. And when you do equip it... You um, do see it. Yeah, you do see it, which is kind of nice. Um, and there's That's also... Really nice. I think one thing I cannot stand out the game, though, is the voice acting. Um, fortunately, you can change it to have the, the Japanese audio, uh-huh. which I kind of like. Um, but the, the English audio, there's like a bunch of English actors, and the only person that I can stand, just because I think it's so stinking adorable, is this little slime companion guy. It's, he's probably love or hate. I feel like most people probably think he's really annoying and just um, uh, cringeworthy. I kind of like him. His name's Helix. Oh. And he's like this little tiny um, blue slime. And he has, like, this little crown, and he's just really cute. And he has all these, like, little adorable comments. Um, what else did I want to talk about for this game? Um, What's his voice sound like? Oh, I can't do that on, on air. That would just be really embarrassing. Attempt it, man. No, it's just... it's really Attempt just, it for the 20 people who no, are going to hear you embarrass yourself. It's, like, super high pitch. I don't really know what to compare you to. You gotta go. Just be careful of the audio. Oh, like, oh, guys, <laughs> what's over there? Like, this. Yeah, I feel like I'd be the annoyed one. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like that. Um, but what is it's also kind of fun in the game is, is you're kind of defeating these enemies, and of course, <laughs> the whole slew of um, you know monsters that you you'd expect in your your Dragon Quest games you'll find here. Um, some of them will randomly drop coins, 
Okay, mm -hmm. as you collect these coins, you can immediately spawn one of these same enemies to fight alongside you. So okay. it's kind of a cool, like, you know, in-game, you randomly get these coins, and you can just spawn people to kind of help you um, on, a, cool. on a particular level. Lots of um, kind of freedom to kind of do whatever you want uh, um, apart from the main story. So once you get access to the main world map, there's, like, caves kind of scattered all over the world map, and you can kind of go to those and grind. Um, yeah. there's, there's actually dedicated levels where it doesn't stop. Like, the, the enemies just keep reappearing. So it's just kind of nice if you do want, like, a mindless grind to yeah. just go into these levels and just hack and slash your way and level up and gather gold for, for more gear. Um, there's a second one on the PS4, too. Haven't played it yet. Um, I guess my other, my, my other main complaint, other than the voice acting, is that it is very repetitive. I really haven't seen much of a, a difference between levels. I mean, of course, there's new scenarios and everything, but... For the most part, it's getting very samey. Um, and about the areas themselves are the battles. No, I mean themselves. the areas are new. You know, you go to different places, and this, you know, the scenery, the backgrounds, and everything change. The enemies, you run into different enemies, you fight different people. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just feel like I'm kind of just going from one. And to be fair, that's kind of the point of these games. You know, if mm -hmm. I was, if I wanted a lot of variety, I'd go to something else. Um, but the dragon, um, or not the dragon, the uh, um, Dynasty Warrior games are very samey. So I guess I kind of signed up for this. Um, but, yeah. but I definitely want to put another, you know, five to ten hours to see if I want to play it to a completion, because I think it's about a 30-hour game, but okay. it's a good time. Um, another game I want to remind you about is Dragon Quest Builders. You've been playing a lot of Minecraft, and um, if you want to learn about the Dragon Quest kind of characters... Um, I'm going to Google that one. Yeah, Not Dragon, on my work computer. Dragon Quest Builders is, is one I think you'd like. Um, yeah, but it, it's, it's fun. I've um, been enjoying my time with it. The next game I've been playing is... Um, and that's on PS4, right? Yeah, yeah, PS4. Uh, the next game I've been Oh, that looks really cool. Yeah. It does look Minecraft-y. It, I mean, it's exactly what it is. You kind of you kind of craft and build up your your uh, your little home spot, and then I think you can kind of go out to the wilderness and scavenge for resources. And Is it like an endless kind of... Yeah, I don't... There's I don't, no actual end game? I don't think there's a story tied to it, but if, even if there is, I think oh, it's... Oh, that looks adorable. It's probably very much like... Uh, like Fallout in the sense that once you beat the main story, you can still go back and do stuff. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, dude. I mean, like I said, the Dragon Quest series of games, the the, the color, the artwork, the character designs is just, it's just, ah, I don't know, it's so peaceful. You can get that on PSN, right? Yeah, you can download it on PSN, right to your PS4. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't have to buy the physical copy. All right. Um, After we beat Resistance tonight, yeah. I'm definitely going to buy this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I haven't played it, but I mean, I've heard good things. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about is Rainbow Six Siege. So yeah. I waited for a long time to kind of buy this and to be f to kind of preface this conversation. Huge, huge fan of Rainbow Six Vegas One and Two on the last generation of consoles. Literally, Terrorist Hunt. I probably put two to three hundred hours in with my friend. Wow. Like we played that game to death, and even today I still love going back to it. And Siege is the one that you can go through walls. Is yeah, yeah. You are can, there like, dogs in this one? Um, I weren't there dogs in one of them. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I. That might have been a Call of Duty. Probably, yeah. Black Ops or World at War, whatever the heck. Um, yeah. But anyways, so let's just let's just say this. I'm enjoying my time with it. It's fun. It's very Rainbow Six like, and the fact that you squat up, you can play Terrorist Hunt. Um, instead of a main story like the pro the previous games, they have these new things called situations, which I think is a weird name. But in any case, um, you know these situations kind of pit you in a particular scenario, um, really like one of four different things. So you either have 
um, your standard terrorist hunt where you have to take out you know anywhere from like 15 to 30 people on the map um, in any way that you want like you'll it could be like this construction building or whatever it might be or an office building and you approach it however you want you can rapple up the building come in um, from a window or you can go right through the, the main door you know however you want to approach it which I love that kind of creative freedom that you have to kind of go about the level that you want yeah um, kind of this, some of the other ones you have you have um, kind of a hostage um, escort so you have to go find the hostage in the building bring them back to the extraction point you have a hostage protect so you'll be in an area you have to kind of board up everything around you and you'll have like four waves of people that kind of come in and you have to protect the hostage okay. for four four levels or there's a um, kind of a, a, a bomb defuse type thing so you kind of um, go to the go into the building find the bomb you have to open up this computer and do this diffuse thing, and then you have 60 seconds of just waves of guys coming at you, and you have to kind of defend that area until time expires. Okay, so in theory, the game's great, and I really do enjoy it. Very polished, graphically, looks amazing, tight shooting mechanics, really great. The thing that is horrible is that this is literally the worst defender that I've ever seen in my life of loot boxes. Oh. I mean, okay, so when I played... Rainbow Six Vegas, okay, one and two. As you progress through the game, you naturally unlocked new gear, armor camo, or I mean, like um, weapon skins, yeah, you know, ammo, you know, all kinds of really cool stuff. In this game, you essentially have to buy all of it, okay. As so it's you, like the Battlefront two kind of yeah, setup. It's horrible. Progression through boxes, and so. Fortunately for me, I waited till this game dropped to $30 and I got a, um, I, it's like super hyper edition, whatever it was. And it, <laughs> and it came with like a super hyper edition. It came with 10 siege the boxes. Pretty much. It came with like 10 of these essentially free loot boxes. Okay. Okay. So I, I use those. What really fr frustrates me is that these unlocks are for particular people because another thing is that you can't create your own character okay you have you have certain um character builds that are already preset like classes exactly okay and so as far as i know someone tell you know correct me if i'm wrong here you can't create your own character like you could in the other games so you have this mm. these preset builds and as you unlock particular loot boxes you get a hat but you can only use the hat for like assault class for, for John Snow over here. Like you can't use him. You can't use him for you know. Yeah. Johnny Appleseed over there. You, it, it's very particular. Johnny Appleseed, not Sharon with Snow. Yeah, you, you, there's these very particular. I mean, it really makes no sense to me because I essentially use ten of these um, loot boxes, and every single one of them were unlocks for characters that I don't even have yet, and to unlock these other characters. Why don't you put another hundred dollars in there? Well, that's the thing. To unlock these other characters. There's in-game currency that you accumulate, but it's yeah, not a lot. it's really slow. It's not a lot. It's just like Battlefront. So it would probably take me 50 to 60 hours just to unlock two or three people. And as I, you know, unlock these loot boxes, I'm unlocking stuff that isn't even relevant to the characters that I have. Yeah. It's just really frustrating. And it's just a part of this generation that I think really needs to change. I think these publishers, like, I understand the budgets for these games are huge. And in order for them to kind of... EA makes, mo like, now most of its money off of loot boxes and microtransactions. And for them to get returns on these games, there's no way that the sales, like, a game like Call of Duty isn't already far surpassing the, the budget to make it. 
apart from loot box transactions. Mm -hmm. And it's just so frustrating to me, like a game that is so polished and so fun as Rainbow Six Siege, there's just all these barriers here that are put up because I can't have the fun that I want from the game because I have to put in, fork over more cash to get an, you know, an SMG or an AK-47. If I yeah. want to get a nice weapon skin, I have to put literally 15 real-world dollars in. I mean, it's just asinine. It makes no sense to me, and I hope... You're like, do I want to waste a half an hour of my time to look pretty in a game? Yeah, or... because it really... It, 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 it is time no, is money. It has right? no bearing on your ability to perform in the game. It's purely cosmetic. Mm -hmm. And to have to fork over those dollars, I think is just so unfair. And I really hope... People like Ubisoft and, and even um, whoever developed Middle uh, Shadow of War, Middle Earth Shadow of War. I mean, the publishers came out after Backlash and said, beginning, I think it's this month actually, they're stripping loot boxes entirely. So they put yeah. a warning out there like, if you have loot box currency, use it now because it's going to be irrelevant here at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, and I hope, you know, other publishers take heart to that because. Mm -hmm. um, I they, know Monster Hunter didn't have anything in there. They yeah. said basically the loot drop system was more or less random yeah. based off of a drop table. Why would we introduce that? And I think and that is I can respect a no, lot. Totally. Yeah. And they sold millions of copies. Yeah. Like five million. So. Yeah. I, I just I mean, I could talk about this forever. Bottom line, it really frustrates me because this game is great. It really it's great. Mm -hmm. But it's held back because of this. So um, I wish, yeah, it seems like most shooters nowadays have that same, those yeah. mechanics. I mean, Destiny, I'm sure the Battlefield games have it, Call of Duty. Um, I know Destiny's a huge culprit. Like, I know that's a big yeah. issue with people. What's um, the new Rage 2? I'm hoping that they don't do it. I think that's going to be a very single-player-focused game. It'll probably have a multiplayer component. But I don't think Bethesda, at least to my knowledge currently, they're a, um, a huge proponent to loot boxes. Again, that really scares me is the currently rumored Borderlands 3. I feel like that'll yeah. be... I mean, the game is totally around loot, loot boxes. But yeah, it's the same concept as drops for Monster Hunter. Yeah, so but I so I hope... Just with guns. Because people can just buy their way to, to winning. You know, it's just... Well, then what's the win. point of playing? Yeah. Um, so I, I hope that... Um, again, like... Now, I'm not a huge fan of the Borderlands games. I kind of have played... I played 1 and 2 so much that I'm just like... I go back to 2 and I'm just like, this is not even fun. Yeah. Um... My, I, I think number three will be good and I'll, we'll be able to play it and like online stuff when we can play together yeah. oh yeah that'll be a lot of fun and that's that's like and, headsets get in a group with like Ben and Rick and yeah then we for can sure and that's grind some bosses that's the last thing I want to say about Rainbow Six is that if you are playing this game on PS4 let me know we'll squad up we'll take out some terrorists uh, we'll do some situations we'll do all that good stuff so let me know if you're uh, you're playing that game because I enjoy it it's fun it's a good time so yeah let's get into questions want to yeah all right so I'm let, game. Me, let me pull this up here I want to make sure that uh, I get all these questions right so the first person good friend old school YouTube gaming community comeback kid this guy has a love for Disney that rivals mine believe it or not wow loves 90s huge huge fan of old school 90s pop culture so John, man, thanks for writing in. Really appreciate it. This is an interesting question here. So here we go. Hey, Rusty and Ryan. Rusty, I know you're a huge Kingdom Hearts fan, so I'd figure I'd ask you this question. I've played the first Kingdom Hearts up until the Cerberus Dog Boss. So little public service announcement here. That's part of uh, Olympus Coliseum, the Hercules world, mm -hmm. maybe about six hours into the game. He's, he goes on. Don't hate me, but I just couldn't get into the game. I love the setting in Disney Final Fantasy crossover. However... 
the combat was repetitive. I had no idea what was going on in the story. You're not alone, John. The gummy ship thing was convoluted. Also not alone. I haven't played a Kingdom Hearts game since. Am I doing something wrong? Am I missing something? Help me love Kingdom Hearts. Thanks. Come back, kid. Ryan, I'm kicking this over to you because it's when you originally played Kingdom Hearts, you were not a fan. Yeah, so you actually made it further than I did your first time through. I went to the island. Um, the mechanics for me, I mean, I was playing it way later than you were supposed to. So I had it when it was like 1.5 or the whatever decimal it was. Yeah. Um, so I fought Riku, ran that race, and then I got into Traverse Town. And, oh, the music in Traverse Town. Yeah. Which actually, the second time through wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it, you take it with a grain of salt for when it was released. So then after that point, I quit. And then I came back to it when Rusty and I went through the one and two together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, gummy ships. One, you Basically, you have to do them once, each route. Yeah. And then you can fast travel. So, I mean, that's kind of a necessary evil in my mind. You do it once, check the box, and then you go on. Yeah. It's more refined and definitely more fun mm-hmm. or palatable in the second one. It is. It is actually... Um, I like liken it almost like a Sin and Punishment, if you've played that. I haven't played the N64 Sin and Punishment, but the Wii version, it's very much an on-rail shooter. It's not like you're on this very singular path. It's more interactive. There's things coming yeah. from all angles. It's pretty... It's, it's, it's better pretty visuals, and yeah. it's... I mean, yeah, a couple years later, it's definitely better. Um, the story, uh, yeah, no, it's it's an interesting story. And then combining Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts, you very unique. Um, I really dive into the lore outside of the games too, so I can understand it, listening to videos and stuff. If that's not your cup of tea, then in the story, I could see it being weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's. I mean, seeing, getting to play with Disney characters and, I mean, as much as you can try to understand it yeah. without, I mean, going to a third party, yeah. it's definitely worth kind of pushing through some of the more obscure information that you receive. Yeah. Um, and then as far as the combat, one has definitely, or two definitely grows from one. Yeah. Um, they definitely expand it with um, just the different techniques and extra stuff flipping around and yeah. diff- multiple keyblades and craziness. Um, but one, as you get further into the game, you get more abilities as you beat bosses. Um, you, yeah, it, it definitely expands. Cerberus is still relatively early in the game. Um, I would say, in my opinion, having quit as well, you have to push through some of that early game stuff because yeah, it was yeah. a early release what, mm-hmm. on PS1. Was that uh, was that PlayStation 1 that what? it was originally released? Which was that? Kingdom Hearts. No, no, the no first it was PS2. One. Was it? 2002. Okay. It was when it came out. Yeah. Well, it's 2002. That's 16 years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Um, yeah, so you're, I mean, you're going to get some of that old gamey kind of not as refined as the stuff you're going to be playing now. Yeah, and I think what I would also say come back is that um you know maybe start with two okay i um listen let me talk okay let me, let me i'll this. let you okay. f- yeah um look up a story synopsis of kingdom hearts one and then you'll also need to look up one for for chain of memories okay yeah chain of memories is definitely 
you need to understand that story. It's like a 20 minute video. It's a critical piece. It's it's the critical kind of bridge between one and two. And if you go to two, you're not gonna, if you played one and then went to two, you're not gonna understand why certain things They introduced like so. 13 new characters. Yeah. So, and you don't have to watch the like three hour, what was it, the 57 over three. Um, three, five, eight over two days, yeah. Yeah, you don't um, need to watch that because I expected that to be, because I sat down to watch it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be half an hour synopsis, like the Chain of Memories. Yeah. Three hours or so later, Yeah. I came out of that. So, well, like I was saying, you know, John, or, you know, you know <laughs> as Ryan interrupts me for like a millionth time on this episode already. Hey, um, I, I have the perspective <laughs> of quitting, so. <laughs> wow, no, that I, sounds I, good. I just like uh, throwing you across yeah. when I can. It's okay. Um, but, um, no, come back. So, I would watch, you know, the synopsis of the stories there and then play two because it is much more refined. The combat system, um, I feel like, really came into its own in the second game. It is like the original vision that Tetsuya Namaru kind of had for the game. You know, three is going to be that much better. But I would encourage you to at least have played two and know the story for one in Chain of Memories before I'm, I'm assuming you're going to get three just because of the sheer number of awesome Disney and Pixar worlds that are in it. It's just going to be like a Disney fanboy kind of thing. But... Um, play two, okay, watch those videos, and go from there. Put five hours into two, if you're, st actually I can't say that, because the first five hours is almost like a, not as a, oh gosh, no, like don't, a don't. Way. Um, it's, it's kind of like a tutorial, because you're not playing a Sora, okay, um, so, <laughs> this is going to be a, a big ask, but you know, put five to ten hours in, okay, see what you think, um, I, I really tr tremendously believe that it is going to be worth it, especially with your love. If you weren't a fan of Disney, I wouldn't push this so hard. But you being such a big fan of Disney, the payoff for some of the worlds that you'll end up visiting into is really pretty mm -hmm. pretty special. Okay, And the, the visuals and the world scale, I mean, what, Beauty and the Beast is one of them. And mm -hmm. I was compared to just coming off of one that previous week. So I beat them uh, one in one week and then the next week I beat the second one. Yeah. So coming off of Kingdom Hearts 1 and then going right into like Beauty and the Beast early on. Yeah. I was amazed at the scale of some of those rooms that you walk into. Yeah. Um, um yeah, no it's 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 pretty cool and um you know if you get the 2.5 collection, I get both or no, you can get the 1.5 plus 2.5 now so you can have all the games and I think I think 2 and Birth by Sleep are going to be critical for you if you if you are going to end up playing uh, three. And Birth by Sleep is actually um, some people say it's their favorite Kingdom Hearts game. Honestly, it's kind of a prequel. It takes place before the events of of the you know Kingdom Hearts one and two and all the other random spinoffs. Um, but yeah, give that a shot. Let me know what you think. Shoot, uh, you know, shoot me a message on Twitter because I really I think you'd like it. I could back. I could see you skipping one mm -hmm. and just going straight to two. Yeah, the I mean, more refined. Con I mean, it's not as repetitive. Because, I mean, one's combat is somewhat repetitive, but you're also there somewhat for the grind of things. And, you have the, the differentiation is between the enemies more so mm -hmm. in the first one compared to the combat of swinging your keyblade. Yeah. Where you get the differentiation is using abilities, which is you get through beating different worlds. So going just at Cerberus... You're made, what, two worlds in, so you have maybe two or three abilities that you can use mm -hmm. when your MP bar is fully up. Yeah. Um, as you start beating, like, one of 10 to 15 worlds or whatever it is, you'll get more abilities. And you get multiple per world. Yeah. It's also, as you level up your characters, they get more abilities, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Let me know what you think. Play, too. And uh, watch those videos. I think you'll... 
I think you'll be surprised, okay? And I think you're going to find that it was worth your time, um, you know, going back to Kingdom Hearts. So, um, last thing I guess I will say about that is I, I'd liken it to the Uncharted games. One is really not that great of a game. A lot of technical um, issues, not very tight platforming, introvert, you know, scaling walls and stuff is a little weird. Um, and then two, it's held in highest of regards for people. They, yeah. Some people say it's their best favorite game of all time. So, I feel like Kingdom Hearts is, is very much the same. And uh, two is just much more polished. So we're going to go on to the next question. My buddy Nolan, fellow podcaster, Young Nostalgia. Check him out. Really good show. If you like old school pop culture, even not just the 90s, but even dating back further than that, he and his buddy Ben have a great podcast. So he kind of wrote in two things. Um, he knew that we were doing the top five uh, movies. So he wrote in his top 10. I'm going to get into that later, but I, I want to... Focus on his question for now. So, he says, Hey, Rusty and Ryan. I hope everything is well with you guys. Things actually suck, Nolan. You know what? Life is just really not going <laughs> it's well It's raining right now. <laughs> just like my mood. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're kidding. We're kidding. Um, he said, I really enjoyed... Uh, <laughs> speak for yourself, Rusty. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed the show and your discussions. You know me. really brings out my passion for video games as well as podcasting myself. Your show sounds very professional... I'm sure, you, I'm sure you listen to the right show, Nolan. Okay. I don't know, but oh, yeah. no, I can't. the other Otaku brothers. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate the, the kind words. He said, Your show sounds very professional and almost natural, as it is easy to hear and relate to the guys you the way you guys appreciate the video game culture from the past all the way to the present. I always look forward to a new episode every week. Keep up the good work. Nolan, appreciate it, man. He, here's his question. He gets into this. He says, yeah. Anyways, I was wondering what your favorite co op experience throughout the, your enjoyment of gaming. I remember always staying up late with my high school friends, building bases and maps in Halo 3, and having countless playthroughs of the campaign on Legendary. Yes. yes. Yeah. One of my fondest memories is all, also running around as Jedi and Sith in Battlefront 2 yes. uh, for the original Xbox. Masa Love Isley. it. And just want to know what your guys' thoughts are. So, Ryan, why don't you take it away? Yeah, so I have a few. Um, definitely Moss Eisley. So I'll start with that one. Um, I had a friend move away down to North Carolina one summer back in like middle school or so and kind of as a farewell tribute we spend a ton of time together as like our five friend group mm -hmm. um so we i just remember maybe a week or two before he was leaving spending literally the entire day in a basement playing battlefront 2 just shooting rockets, spinning as Jedi. Is this when you figured out that you could collide to uh, Chewie's? No, that rockets? was a different time. That was when I mixed a bunch of energy drinks oh, and went right. through Resistance. Okay, good deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just... That game, Battlefront 2, the original. So many hours just chilling with our friends. and mm -hmm. I mean, you run into different scenarios in that game that you're like, I didn't even think that could happen. Or like, yeah. just one friend kills another friend and you're just freaking out. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is such a good game. Um, well, we're playing Resistance now, and Which that's a lot, a lot of, fun. of fun. Yeah, we. I want to kind of save our impressions for when we. Um, we yeah, do, well, I was a good, we just mentioning um, Rusty um, and I are playing Resistance, but this split is, screen co op as all games should be played in the same room. Yeah, especially for split screen mm -hmm. or the yeah. Well, I just think you know these these types of shooters. There's really no other way to play them. You know, yeah. it's just so much fun to just. We can see the, your friend's reactions to things as he dies for no reason. Shoulder to shoulder, just like, no, bro, come back. Yeah, I need the, I need cover. I need cover. You know, it's just like, it's just a lot of fun. And I think you lose a lot of that here nowadays with, with um, the online. headsets. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then 
one of or RuneScape was another really fun one. Um, we were going for ninety nine Fletching one Christmas break, and we were just sitting in a room for too many hours, just sitting at a bank Fletching. It was Diana, Lauren, and I. Mm-hmm. When we were going for capes back in the day. Um, going for capes. Going for capes. It was an important time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the most important. But it was just spending that time together in the same room for too many hours, mm-hmm. no lifing it, was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then also Halo, kind of the big classic split screen go through with friends. So you have Legendary, um, which is the only way to do it, split screen. Um, and then Lauren, we were playing through Halo Four, I think it was, where you were fighting those like robot guys, mm-hmm. and for some reason we couldn't fall asleep, so we took melatonin, and um, so we're like, yeah, we got this. So we were trying to fight the melatonin because we still wanted to beat <laughs> levels, yeah. And we were going through co-op together, and I just remember like. Like, Lauren, Lauren, I need your help. I need backup. And I look at her screen, and she's just standing there looking at a wall. And then I just look over at Lauren, and she's just passed out, like, sleep. I was like, hey, 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 I need you. Oh so then, God. like, I would we'd go forward a little bit more, and then I'd start drifting off. And then I'd look down again, and her character's looking at a different rock wall. And then she's just passed out again. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. I don't think we ended up beating more than, like, a level or two. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Is that what about it? you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so very similar to you. I think, you know, growing up, I played a lot of the similar games. Um, one definitely being Battlefront 1 and 2. I remember actually my dad taking us to GameStop and my buddy pre-ordering um, Battlefront 2 mm-hmm. on the PlayStation 2. And it was just, he got, I don't know, he got like a weird little, like little cer- <coughs> certificate, but like an, almost like a, a cool little advertisement for the game after he pre-ordered. And I remember just sitting in the car, just seeing those... Um, kind of the juxtaposition of like the Sith and the the Jedi on both sides of the case, you know. Yeah. Um, it was just really cool and um, wow, just Moss Eisley. This is so fun. So many fun so memories. So good. And the layout. Oh, so you're running between buildings and you're jumping on that giant black ship. And it's really cool too. You know, when you're playing the level and whoever's doing better. You just says, "Do you want to play as Darth Maul? Do you want to play as Jango Fett? Do you want to play as Luke Skywalker?" And then you just click the like the little control pad left or right, yeah. or whatever, and get to play as them. And if, especially on, on Coruscant, when you get Darth Maul, man, and you just wreck clone yeah. troopers like a crazy person. Um, but or uh, yeah, clone troopers. Okay, I'm right there. I'm just thinking. Oh, yeah, I'm just making sure I'm right about saying that. But um, Halo is <laughs> another one. Um, I got the Xbox the original Xbox real late in its life lifespan yeah. and I remember getting Halo one and two and playing through that campaign on Legendary with my buddies and just some of the fondest memories I have. I actually we'd always have sleepovers and I had a TV in my room that was fifteen inches. Wow, living it up. Fifteen inch screen, okay. We hooked my Xbox up to that and that's what we were playing couch co op on. Yeah. On these tiny little screens. But that's why you're blind now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but, yeah, my vision's terrible. But it was so fun because it was also miserable because it was the, in the thick of summer, okay? There were three, you know, 14-year-old boys gross. sitting in this room playing Halo. So it was super hot and gross and we were all sweaty and nasty. And we all had, like, like right next to each other. Exactly. And my room <laughs> wasn't big. I mean, it wasn't, you know, whatever. It was my, my bed and a couple room for seats or whatever. 
Um, but still the fondest memory staying up to like, you know, three or four in the morning playing that. Last one I want to talk about is Rock Band. Uh, I was a huge, <laughs> huge fan of the Rock Band games and even Guitar Hero. But my buddies and I were legends at Rock Band. Like we were so serious about it. And yeah. I don't mean to toot our own horns, but we were so good. So We could have been a real band. <laughs> no, we, we, we created our own band in the game because you can do that. But I was always um, on bass. Nick was on guitar and Scott was on drums. And man, we were just... I remember, I think this was Rock Band 2. There was an endless set list. So you play, um, downloadable content aside, every single game, every single song in the game back to back to back. Okay. Yeah. And if you fail, you you have to start over from from song one. So we were all playing on expert, okay, and we would um, we were huge fans of playing like twenty one basketball. Yeah. Um, and so we play like eight or ten songs, go outside, play basketball for a while, come back in, we get you know some Capri Sun Sports and uh, some some Mike Lay's potato chips, and uh, we'd be sucking down those and just drinking, you know sugary Capri Sun to get our energy back up, play 10 more songs, take a break. We did this. I mean, it must have taken at least 12 to 14 hours because there's just so many songs and we took breaks and everything. The last song was um, The Number of the Beast by, um, oh my word, what is the band name? Iron Maiden. And um, wow, that song, the drums, super intense. The bass, ridiculous. The lead guitar, crazy. But we somehow did it, and it was like this magical moment in our gaming young lives, and wow, 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 wow. So fun, so memorable. I'll never forget it. Really good times playing rock band. But uh, those are really the only ones, you know, we're playing Resistance now, and that's always fun. Uh, the other ones, not so much co-op, but um, I guess co-op. Smashing in college was a lot of fun. Yeah, I played a lot of Smash Melee. Um, I guess that was more not in college yet, but high school, and then um, Brawl. But another good one was just N64 Days with my sister. Um, yeah. You know, we played Mario Party 2 religiously. Uh, Tony Hawk with my buddies. Uh, Perfect Dark. Some other games I'll get to here a little bit later on when we talk about um, kind of strange games. And uh, the other one, what was I going to mention? Oh, Diddy Kong Racing. So I played very few games with my dad. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Diddy Kong Racing was one that he'd always play with my sister and I. Because there was those very special levels where one of them you were kind of in this... Um, tropical location and you each had three balloons and it's very much like the battle mode in mario kart yeah so you had like rockets and stuff and as you shot them they lost you a balloon, balloon. And, yeah exactly and you were on little hovercrafts and really fun little level and then there was also a snow level where it was very similar it was like a a four layer ice ice weird ice world or whatever mm -hmm. and uh yeah like four stories high and it was the same thing you were in carts and you run around and try and knock each other's balloons out um this just came to my mind, though, when I was talking about video games with my dad. So, my dad loves Hot Shots Golf. Yeah. For Christmas, I actually bought him a PlayStation 2 with Hot Shots Golf 3 and 4 so that he could play tournaments because he loves the game so much. Okay? So, when I was um, younger, I had a PSP and I played Open T. And when he found out that Hot Shots was on the PSP, he's like, well, I want to play. So, he would steal my PSP all the time and play it. And I was like, Dad, <laughs> dad was like, Dad get in the car. We're going to GameStop right now, and you're buying a PSP. And he's like, okay. So it didn't take much convincing. Yeah. It's so like he, you and the PS4. <laughs> exactly. So he got a PSP and High Shots Golf, and he and I, I cannot tell you, that, like, at least 100 hours. Him and I would sit ad hoc and play 
um, you know, local tournaments together yeah. and played match play with each other. So much fun. So, so memorable just to see my dad, you know, he's such a Fred Flintstone when it comes to technology. Yeah. And so it's a three click system with hot shots. So there's this little meter at the bottom of the screen. You click once to get the meter going, click it at the end to, to gauge how so far. So like the Mario Golf. Precisely. Yeah. Very, very much the same at the very end, you know, for your power. And at the end, we'll choose, we'll choose the, like the, uh, how straight you hit the ball essentially. Mm-hmm. But just to see him like, like click it, click it again. And they click it. Like he like, he would shake every time he did it. Cause he was just like, so it's intense. So precise it's intense. and intense about it. And it was just, Really funny to see him play it, but also just a, a really great experience. I'm so thankful that I have with him uh, playing those games. And then, of course, when we moved um, during a, a house showing, someone stole his P- his PSP. Freaking people. Yeah, so that was really rough. He hasn't gotten one since, but hooked him up with the PS2. You're welcome, Pops. Hope you're enjoying it. <laughs> yes. I listen to the episode. So, couch co-op, man. Really yeah. miss it these days. Well, and, uh, in college, when we were smashing, we had... I think we were a fire code violation. It was like one Friday. We it was like a bunch of us got because we were the twenty one like the old folks because yeah. we were like transferred in and stuff. Um, so we like Rick and I would grab a drink and we would play Smash and then I don't know just people clustered to our room. Like the first semester, it was Skyrim. Like we oh, yeah. started a Skyrim trend, mm-hmm. and by the end of maybe like the first month. I, you could just all the doors were open and you just heard different like Skyrim quotes as you're walking down the hall, <laughs> and then like it got to the point where like smashing was the huge thing. Yeah, and I think we fit like seven or eight people into our room, and we were just when someone lost or the bottom two people, they'd switch out their controllers, <laughs> and we just do for hours. That's and fun. then our RA who went out one Friday came in with like his girlfriend. And he's like. What are you guys doing? Like, I, I'm gonna get written up for this. Come on! And they were like, "Do you want to grab a controller?" He's like, "Yeah, okay, let's do this." <laughs> and yeah, That's so fun. I don't know how we got that passed, but yeah, it's because because of co-op, bringing people together. It really does, man. It's, it's uh, something. The whole point of it. It's a loss these days, which really. Is sad. Yeah. Alrighty, so Nolan, thanks again, man. Seriously, and let me just say this: he ended his email saying. You guys rock, and P.S. Perfect Dark is amazing. I kid you not. So thanks for made after your own heart. <laughs> he totally is Nolan, man, legend in the making. So appreciate you writing in. Next question, my buddy Travis. Man, I met him like must have been three or four years ago. Um, you know, I was on an internship over in an area that I don't want to talk about because <laughs> locations and people are crazy. Might come come looking for me. But I met him um, kind of like in a college youth group Bible study type thing. He and his then-girlfriend, I think at the time, um, gosh, they're just genuine people. Just really, really great people. Cute. Gosh, their daughter, they have a little daughter now. She's just as cute as a button. Um, just good people. Good people. Travis. Yeah, go Travis. Being yeah. a good human being. And it's been really fun, too. Uh, he and I have been texting back and forth, and he actually just sent me a text. He's going to do some retro gaming this weekend. He's got the Genesis and the N64 do it. out. Um, good stuff. But... He has a mammoth of an email here, okay? He's, so Travis did yeah. something that is amazing, okay? And he wrote in with his top 10 games of all time and the reasons for each. So I'm going to go through this as kind of quickly as I can, but also I want, if it sparks discussion, Ryan and I are going to go for it. So bear with us. Travis, you're the man. Thanks for writing in. So here it goes. Rusty and Ryan, I'm Travis from the Shire. I met Rusty a few. Nice. Years. 
I met Rusty. Do you know Bilbo? <laughs> Frodo's kind of cool, but he's really short. <laughs> I met. I need to shave my feet. I met Rusty a few years ago when he was. My talons are just poking people. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Travis. Man, we're doing yeah. your question wrong. So here we go. I met Rusty a few years ago when he was lucky enough to land an internship up here in the depressing part of. Middle-earth. Middle-earth. Here we go. And I'm loving this podcast. It inspired me to sit down and think of my own top 10 games. I wanted to share them with you and see if you've played, had similar experiences with each. Here we go. This number 10. Ultimate Spider-Man. Two of my favorite sandbox-style games are Spider-Man 2 and Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction. Travis, I love you for even knowing these games exist. Well, especially you Hulk. can love me less. I, I don't know if I know those games. Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction is so fun. Oh my what word! What do you do? You're the Hulk. Oh and yeah, I, thanks. You use the environment to your um, advantage. You can just wreak havoc. It's 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 a, like he said, an open world sandbox game. If you ever played Spider Man Two on the PlayStation Two, which is probably in my top twenty games of all time. I might have played that on game with Doc Ock, and you swing around the yeah. city, and mm-hmm. then Catwoman and things. Well, is Catwoman it's the not Catwoman? F- she's DC, but. She, it's, it's, or she's whatever. Like, she's like Catwoman. Whatever the leather girl was. There was a terrible level where you had to like follow her around that was just... Yeah! No! I really liked that game. That was a really good game. So good, okay? So I just you, like f- exploring the city. I'm really excited for the new one. Dude, right though? And yeah. so Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction is very much like that. But Except with the Hulk. You're the Hulk. Who's the best? Who's the best? Okay, so... We're doing real good right now. <laughs> just get distracted. We haven't even gotten through the first attempt game. But I digress a lot. So here we go. This game combined the two, combined the two, speaking of Spider-Man 2 and Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction, with both Spider-Man and Venom gameplay and a game that looked like it jumped off the comics page, put the classic wit of Brian Michaels Bendis. I mean, seriously, the first time you play as Venom, you have to eat the annoying balloon kid from Spider-Man 2. The freaking worst side mission ever was on the little balloon kid. Seriously, there was no targeting system, so you couldn't target the balloon. So you had to like magically just jump and get the balloon as it like raised to the to the sky because he like let go of it and, mm-hmm. in Spider Man Two. But I remember it, flipping around the final boss and like running into poles and just like drowning. Yeah, because there was the water in it. You if you yeah. didn't attach to the to the area correctly. Yeah. Um. But wow, Spider Man Two is so good. Yeah. So good. That was so much fun. And something I never did at the end of the game is um, once you beat it. You unlock something if you collect like fifty thousand of whatever the currency is when you do those side missions. Spider webs. Something. Um, and I never finished that, so I should look that up. But in any case, Travis, Ultimate Spider-Man. I never played it, but it has that cell shaded look, like you said. It's almost like a comic book jumped off the page. I need to pick that up for. I'm assuming you played it on the GameCube, so I need to pick that copy up. Um, I'm sure it's super inexpensive these days, and if it's open world, my goodness. Yeah, bro. I understand how that makes your makes your top ten. Next game haven't played, but I heard I've heard good things. So, Biden Kaidos Eternal Wings and the Lost Ocean. What a name! I'm not really a fan of typical turn-based battle system RPGs. This one changed that though, with its fantastically original world, battle system, and gorgeous presentation. The clincher though lies in its story and the way the player is integrated. You're actually a character within the story itself a spirit mentor of sorts to the protagonist who guides him in battle in some light decision-making. The game was huge, requiring two GameCube discs. I love that when GameCube games had multiple discs. Yeah. So great. Uh, Man, those are the cutest little discs, too. So good. I do miss those. And at the end of the first disc, there is such a brutal plot twist that you actually feel personally betrayed. Travis, 
I'm going to lose a lot of money after reading this list because <laughs> some of these games sound really good. So, Bite and Kaidos, Eternal Wings, and The Lost Ocean. I'm pretty sure that's GameCube exclusive, so I need to check that out as well. Next game, a series of games that I've not played. But, okay. but a lot of... There's a huge cult following here. Um, there's a later release on the DS that I almost bought, but um, I heard it wasn't as good as the original Game Boy, G, Game Boy Advance counterparts. So, number eight is Golden Age... Or Golden Sun, The Lost Age. He says... Another RPG that left enough impact to get me to stick through until the end. This was a sequel, so that's saying something for the series. It's pretty typical RPG fare, random battles included, but it also included some fun puzzle elements in towns and dungeons to freshen things up. The kicker, though, was story. In The Lost Age, you play as a band of characters that were your antagonists in the first game. You finish the first and jot down the extremely long code. You would eventually meet your old party... Uh, with all the ending armor and stats attached as well. The That's gut, really cool. That is really neat. The gut punch, though, was the revelation that the villains you killed in the first game, spoilers, were actually the ones who were... were I can't speak. Were actually the ones who were right all, all along. Wait, what does that say? You killed... the. There was the revelation that the villains you killed in the first game were actually the ones who were right all along. Maybe right alongside you or something. I don't know, but that's or right or whatever they're fought, like fighting for. The villains yeah. are fighting for the right thing. Gotcha. Um, kind of reminds you of Borderlands Two because in the second one you play or like you talk to the first Borderlands characters. I think they're NPCs. Oh, do you? I think so. Very cool. Um, Golden Sun. Wow, I might have to check that out because I know the two are held in very high regard um, for the GBA. So good pick there. Next pick, most people have heard of. I. I agree, great. Number seven is Uncharted 3. Yes. Aside from my first game system, a hand-me-down Sega Genesis, my only other non-Nintendo system I've owned is a PS3. That's interesting, Travis. That's very interesting. Okay, he goes on. Uncharted was the best series it offered by far. Mm -hmm. If I had the coin, I'd get a PS4 just to play the conclusion of the series. Well, brother... There's a heck of a lot of other games you got to be playing on the PS4. Let me tell you, man. Spider-Man's coming out real soon, and wow, does it look beautiful. And it's probably, probably, I might eat my words, but it's most likely going to surpass my love of Spider-Man 2. So, man, why don't you save the coin? I'm hoping. Save it looked really good on the gameplay. Yeah. But he says, as it stands, though the first two hold their own amazing moments, number three featured the, the most moments that left me literally saying, wow, this is interactive cinema, folks. That should be a like a back of the box quote, yeah. you know. Interactive this cinema. is interactive cinema, folks. I want to, yeah, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really want to play Uncharted now. Yeah, I just you know I, I marathoned all three games, and that's another thing, Travis. Is you can get the the Uncharted um, HD collection, so you can play all for the first three games on one disc, and then of course you can get Uncharted Four. Which my goodness, man! I mean, it what was it number five of my top ten games of all time? I mean. It, yeah. It seriously deserves your attention and play. It's it's really something magical. It was um, my third. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's a phenomenal game. The storytelling, wow. Want to talk about wow factor? Seriously, it's pretty amazing. So, I cannot encourage you enough to convince Kara to get <laughs> a PS4 because it's so worth it. Um, next one, such a great game. My goodness, I had this game too on the N sixty four. Rayman 2 The Great Escape. It was a green cartridge on the N64. So cool. Oh. But it's, he's, he says, even though Rayman Legends is good enough to be here instead, totally agree. My goodness, the music in that game is unbelievably good. He says, it is easily the best modern platformer, in my opinion. 
Oh, he's speaking of legends. I agree. Um, he says, Raymond II was my introduction to the series um, and stands apart as a black sheep. Instead of the usual slapstick goofiness that defies the series, this one is about as dark as the series has traveled. It features not only some of the best platforming on N64, but also some of the most beautiful design. It was worth dr dropping dollars for the required save pack. Very cool, man. Yeah, such a great game. Um, I just love that opening level where you kind of kind of escape that jail or whatever. Um, good stuff, good stuff. He goes on, uh, number five, Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Watch out, Pete Dorr. We're talking about Sonic here. The first game I ever played with the original Genesis, Sonic the Hedgehog, and the first game I anticipated being released and then receiving for Christmas was Sonic and Knuckles. The revolutionary design of the cartridge that let you literally mash Sonic 3 on top and then play through all of the Sonic 3 and then Sonic and Knuckles um, as a seamless story, amazing. I still get the craving to play this on the old GameCube collection. Getting to use Knuckles in Sonic 2 was a bonus. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I have not played the Sonic games. They recently released the... Um, there were, well, of course, there was the Sonic... And, um, what was it? The Sonic Ultimate Genesis Collection on the, the last generation of consoles um, that had just like 40 to 50 Sega Genesis games. But then they also recently released a newer version of that for the PS4 and Xbox One that I want to get just to just to experience because I, I wasn't a Sega kid. I had Nintendo mm -hmm. um, and PlayStation. So... Um, I would really like to to get the, the collection to kind of experience these games for the first time. Next game, very close to my heart, Banjo-Kazooie, number four. He says, the game that won my endearment for Nintendo. I played it in the display case at Walmart and was hooked. Though the sequel is bigger, grander, and more interesting to play, the original is still the benchmark for 3D platforming and keeper of my N64 nostalgia. It was my gateway drug to better things. <laughs> So good, man. Banjo-Kazooie. I like the description. Ah, man, these are great. Fantastic. Uh, Banjo-Kazooie, like you said, excellent 3D platformer. I really miss the charm of those games nowadays. Certainly lost, and my goodness, Grant Kirkhope. His legendary soundtrack for that game lives on, on vinyl, <laughs> that I fortunately have beautifully, beautifully composed. Next game. This guy loves his GameCube. Paper Mario, The Thousand-Year Door. He says, the original was a surprising blast to play, and this GameCube sequel improved everything about what was already a ridiculously good game. Gameplay, story, humor, everything. And from a guy that typically hates, you got it, turn-based battle systems, the action commands made it much more interesting. I am so pissed that uh, Nindy, you know, short for Nintendo, decided to take all of the RPG greatness that uh, they created for this game and hand it over to the that usurper Mario and Luigi series, leading the... <laughs> Leaving Paper Mario as a uh, as a franchise to fill with gimmicks. I want another grand story. I want to gather more partners from the huge list of Mario series creatures. I want an actual fix. Darn it! I have to I have to fill through you, Travis. I'm sorry, but maybe it's just as well. They'd probably have a hard time topping this one. You know, Travis. It's funny you say that because one, I haven't played the Paper Mario series, so maybe I have kind of a a, a blindness to it. But um, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, the first one on Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, it was re uh, recently remade for the 3DS. I actually adore. The humor in that game is so beautifully written. Um, and even the RPG, you know, <laughs> turn-based battles, as you, as you aren't overly fond of, were very fun. They had, like, these, these nice, neat little mechanics where you would, like, jump on the enemy's heads and really um, clever button presses between Mario and Luigi, um, even on the GPA. It was pretty neat. So I would check that out. If you have a 3DS... Definitely check out the, um, uh, well, actually, you know what? Maybe if you have, have a GBA, um, maybe get that version because I've actually heard that the the 3DS remake 
um, change the the graphics and the graphics in the original are very charming so um, but yeah it definitely you know reminds me that the Paper Mario series is something I, I haven't played and maybe should play have you have you played it no I haven't yeah no. I mean it's such a ridiculous concept talking about strange games as we'll get to here soon um, you know the, it looked interesting yeah I'm so used to a 3D plump Mario plumber guy yeah so for them to kind of have this paper he went on slim fast he became <laughs> paper and yeah man that's the way to do it yeah. slim fast and uh, yeah P90X Mario, <laughs> basically zero cow. Basically, uh, no, good pick. I've heard wonderful things about Thousand Year Door, so you're, I'm sure I don't think you're alone there. But we get into the top two: Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker. He says, if Mario is the Nintendo King, then Legend of Zelda is the Queen. And we're we're playing if we're playing by chess rules, that then it makes it the toughest BA on the board. My favorite Zelda title has. Oh, wait. My favorite title, Zelda title, has changed a lot over the years. Majora held the crown for a long time, but this iteration holds the most nostalgia, emotion, and hours spent just playing within the open world. Breath of the Wild is a landmark for the series, but I feel in the innovation of new design, it lost something of the series' heart. Wind Waker is the best example of that heart. Give me the open world of Breath of the Wild, fill it with the dynamic cast, creatures, and bosses of Wind Waker, and Nindy may have may never have to make another Zelda. I don't... Wow. Yeah, that a lot of um, bold words there, but I don't think you're, you're wrong. Um, Wind Waker, when I played it for the first time, was one of the most beautiful games I'd ever played. And even Is this a really cel-shaded boat one? Yeah, exactly. Um, and even to date, I think it's still beautiful. I never played the HD remaster on Wii U, um, but I heard it, it, it holds up just as well today as it did probably 12 years ago when it originally came out. Um, I never finished the game, um, and, and you know, people really gripe about the, the water travel and how it's just very tedious, uh, very much like, uh, what was it in Kingdom Hearts, the gummy ship travel, but I enjoy it. I, I mean, I think sailing is just such a, um, a relaxing travel yeah. mechanic, um, as opposed to like spirit tracks on the DS that I, I did not like the traversing the world on, on that train. Uh, great game though. Boss battles are amazing in that. Music is good too, but... Um, Wind Waker is an excellent choice, and I, I honestly, um, I don't, yeah, what a wonderful choice, and I, I, I'm interested to see where Zelda goes from here, because typically they kind of mix it up with 3D and 2D, um, the last 2D, of course, being, um, what was it called on the 3DS? Um, You're asking me Zelda questions. Well, it was, like, it was essentially a spiritual successor to Link to the Past, Link Between Worlds. Um, beautiful game, I love the, um, the wall or hugging mechanic that was really cool um but yeah i don't know interesting to see where zelda go from here but wind waker is an excellent choice travis i, I definitely applaud you for that but number one is interesting because this is a series i really have not gotten into okay and i'm also curious to know your thoughts for for the fourth game on the horizon here number one for him is metroid prime he says mm. if i could have any gaming experience in memory erased allowing me to replay it and experience it all over again it would be this it's funny how two of my most ga um, impactful gaming experiences happen in a Walmart display. Um, I miss old school gaming kiosks at stores. It's, it's a lost art these days. But he says, I played the demo for this and was Im immediately en en enraptured. It was first person, but I was also exploring the world and actively learning from about the smallest details. I was experiencing space horror, delving into the charred remains of an attacked spacecraft. And I was scanning the bodies of the slain enemies and learning not only the exact cause of their deaths, but realizing that something even bigger and badder was in here somewhere waiting for me to find out. 
excuse me, he says, Metroid Prime is a game that, on first playthrough, makes you both excited and nervous to find out what lies in the next room. Let's forget about the gorgeous game design. The light effects and water effects and, and the steam from cracked pipes fogging up in your screen as it fogged up Samus' visor. That was amazing in and of itself. But focusing simply on how it made me feel, like an explorer, like a nervous kid who knew something who uh, knew something huge and dangerous could pop up at any moment, and like a BA that I knew I could eventually learn to handle it. In short, I was completely and utterly immersed. The sequels were great. I really do enjoy them just as much and am so excited for number four, there it is, but nothing will ever be the same as the, that first playthrough. Interesting choice for number one, Travis. I played maybe five hours of one, and I played almost all of three prime corruption on the, the, the Wii and I loved it. It's just, I don't think I'm not even going to go into my thoughts because I cannot, <laughs> I guess, talk as well as you have here and is what, is what I've just said. So you perfectly sold Metroid prime for anyone that was even thinking about buying the games. Um, but yeah, thank you for sharing your experiences. That's, that's something really cool. And I'm glad you did yeah. that. Um, it's cool just hearing um, the diversity of opinions and just, you know, you growing up in the 90s, too, just seeing some of that 90s love here is just really cool. So Lots um, of classics. Lots of classics and, and some hidden gems in there that I, I wouldn't otherwise, um, you know, think that you'd choose, like Ultimate Spider-Man, Biting Kaidos, and even Golden Sun. Those are those are unique choices to Travis, so that's, that's really cool and neat. I'm glad you shared. Um, but he gets into some questions, too. He says, and there you have it, a couple questions for you, too, then. So, number one, what is the strangest game you've ever played that is still a blast? Mine is probably Ultimate Muscle on GameCube. What a weird choice that is. Um, but go ahead. What's the weirdest? That's, that's still fun for you. What's the, what's the choice for you? I had a hard time coming up with this answer. Um, so, like, when I think of weird games, the first one that comes to mind is Bloodborne for all of the weird stuff in it. Yeah, that's a good choice. And we've talked to, about Bloodborne from last episode and then our first, my first episode for yep. my number one. Um, Mario has always been really weird to me. Just I mean, you're just the concept of it. You're a plumber and like you don't know. I mean, you s assume that the Goombas or the Koopa Troopers or the Hammer Joes are bad guys. But really, they're just walking back and forth, <laughs> chilling. And yeah. then you stomp on their heads and you get their shells and chuck it at other things. That's true. And then you're going down like plumbing pipes searching for gold. They're just minding their own business. Yeah, what are they even doing wrong? They're just bumping into each other, walking back and forth. Mario's the real evil one here. Hey, it's conspiracy theory. Wow, you heard yeah. it here, folks. We just um, debunked Nintendo's yeah. long-running secret. The biggest Mario is a flagship of... <laughs> Uh, then the weirdest one I think that I've ever played was a game that I got from Burger King. Oh, Sneak King or whatever. Big Bumpin'. There it is. There's two yeah. of them, but yeah, that, that was the other I one. think there was three, because I had to look it up. I think you're right. Yeah, there yeah. was. So and weird. Such a weird marketing ploy. Like, yeah, one, Burger King's, I mean, granted, McDonald's is super creepy as well, like the clown. Well, there's actually a Ronald McDonald game on the Genesis. Yeah. I did. I did see that. I was like, look at the weird games online. I'm like... Oh, that's what made me think of it because yeah. I saw the Ronald McDonald like side scroll yeah, thing. Exactly. It's like yeah. Burger King guy. Yeah, that's a weird. I think it's. A but weird... it was almost like Mario Kart, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But it had Burger King King guy who smiles way too much. Which is he still like their mascot? I feel like I, I mean I don't. I have think cable, he is. So I haven't I haven't seen any commercials. I but... think he is. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was just a weird concept and creepy because of the characters <laughs> and. Uh, it's still really fun. Yeah. You're, it's like bumper cars and going around tracks and things, but yeah. really weird. 
yeah. really weird for a fast food chain prom- promoting obesity <laughs> to like hand out a king with a gold. Eat this whopper while you sit on your butt and play video games. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you don't die soon. Yeah. But yeah, that was a weird game. What about you? So I actually have quite a list here, so I'll try and not overstay my welcome with this question, but I, I really love it and it's a chance for, for people to get an idea of some obscure games that they, they might they, they need to check out. So the first one was on the PlayStation 2 called War of the Monsters, okay? Okay. So I played this game originally on a jam-packed demo disc. If you, anyone can recollect or remember those weirdo things, which are basically, I mean, they were huge in the PS2 era. Um, you got them with, uh, I think, like, either PlayStation Magazine or I don't even remember how you got these things, but basically they had, like, a half a dozen games on the disc, and you got to play, like, one to three hours of the game, depending on what game it was, mm-hmm. you know? If it was, like, a Madden game, you they probably gave you two teams to play as, and you could play, like, a quarter of whatever, you know? So, um, it basically, the, the premise of this game is it pits you in this arena, and you are two behemoth monsters. There's a whole slew of awesome characters. So you have a, a giant gorilla in, gorilla, or, uh, in Godzilla-looking lizard thing. You have a giant insect guy. You have this weirdo um, electric, electricity, electricity, I can't talk, um, <laughs> charged eyeball. So okay. it's like a single eyeball. As they come. He has like arms and legs and everything, and he's just this big thing of electricity. So like Sully, right? Or Jake. Jake? Jake. Monsters, Inc. Was um, it Jake or Sully? Sully was the big blue guy. He was the blue guy. Uh, the Mike, green guy is Mike. Mike was the green Mike guy. Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. So yeah, he has like, yeah, so he has like one eye like that. Um, but you're in these giant arenas. Like you have like these weird, crazy, um, like New York City type areas, Okay. And you have, like, all these, like, little tiny, like, pedestrians running around the ground. You can, like, literally stomp on them. But what's ah. so unique about this essentially 3D brawler, okay, is you can use the environment to your advantage. So you can grab this antenna satellite pole and impale your enemies with it, okay? Mm, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah, but it's just really cool because you can just destroy the buildings. My friend and I, we wouldn't even so much fight each other. We would just try and destroy everything in the city, okay? And just jump around. That's usually what I do, too. It's just it's a lot of fun. Um, really kind of crazy, though. Um, you know, I talked about some of the, the characters. There's also a giant tiki god. Like, you know, like a little tiki guy. He's like a monster. Yeah. You can also play a Sweet Tooth in this game. So from the, the Twisted Metal games, the guy with, like, the flame hair. Oh, okay. Um, he's like a clown, weird old clown-looking thing. But kind of Whenever weird, you can introduce clowns into... Yeah, but kind of a weird nod to a Sony IP... Uh, but wow, such a weird game, but so fun. You know, I mean, of course there's this battle arena component mm-hmm. mode that you can play, but there's also an adventure mode, which is more of like a story-driven thing where, you know, you go through a whole slew of different scenarios. But such a wacky game. I remember forcing my dad, because we played this demo disc to death. I mean, we must have put 30 to 40 hours just into the demo disc. We played like 100 times. Loved it. They lost money on you. They did. So I <laughs> cannot even tell you how long I made my dad drive us around to different video game shops. We went to GameStop, EB Games, when that was still a thing, um, Blockbuster. When that was still a thing? Blockbuster was still in Hollywood Video, um, Game, Game, no, what was it? Um, game Corner? Is that a thing? No, what was uh, the Hollywood Video equivalent? It was uh, Game something. Um, game Crazy? I think it was Game Crazy is what it was. Um, that's actually where I demoed Guitar Hero for the first time. But anyways... We eventually landed on a mom-and-pop place called Trading Zone, and that is where I found my PlayStation 2 copy of War of the Monsters back in the day. Really fun. Check it out. Next one is a PSP classic. 
so bizarre called Loco Roco. Yeah, Dude. the little blobs. Yes, and they like merge together into so bigger blobs. This is an excellent. It was adorable. Uh, an excellent, unique little platform for the PSP that I totally forgot about that. That was, had the best music. Was, it was remastered um, on the PS4 last year. You play as this little blob of. Wait, yellow. wait, wait. What is it on? PS4. They remastered it. <gasps> yeah. Really? Okay. So Loco Roco. Let me talk about this game. You play as this little blob of gelatin. You go through <laughs> dozens of levels controlling this little guy with the L and R buttons on the PSP. He's hopping around. So you're basically tilting the world in the direction you need him to go. You collect and eat berries as you're kind of progressing through the, the, the level, and that will add one local Roco to your size. So eventually you have 20 of these little local Rocos all merge into one giant local Roco rolling around on this map. And yep. this crazy, bizarre, weirdo, catchy... Charming music is playing in the background with all these like weirdo little kids making stupid noises, but it's so charming and so cute and so catchy. Yeah. Some of the some of the best music in video games right here. Okay. But what's kind of unique about the, the puzzle solving is that as you progress through this level, you know, you're rolling around with the L and R buttons, there's certain areas that you can't fit through as a giant blob. So you press like the circle button and you basically You shed a blob. You well you break up into all 20 little local rocos and they're all just like bah! You know, making all weird noises, and you you kind of tilt the screen. They all hop through like the little area, and then you morph back into one, and you keep progressing. Mm-hmm. Such a weird game, but my gosh, is it fun! And it looks beautiful. Such it's a really colorful. colorful little world. Music is phenomenal. Please check that game out. If you have a PSP, that was can... one of the ones that I got a demo for, yeah. and I played the heck out of the demo. You can probably get it for like five or six bucks, and then the PlayStation's. Uh, Four store, you can probably get it for ten. But that reminds you of Peggles. I never played that. That's like one of Lauren's like obsessions. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like one of those ones where you shoot like the ball up into different colors, or you're trying to. No, it's whatever that peg game is, where like plink, plinko is that it? Where you drop the thing and it like yeah. goes over. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like that, but when you finally get all the pieces, it just goes ha 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 ha, just like out of nowhere, and you're like. Yeah, it's the same really colorful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a couple more here. So the next one is Drill Dozer. So this was a Game Boy Advance game that was actually made and developed by Game Freak. So that's the people that make Pokemon. Yeah. So you can definitely tell because, not so much from the graphics, but a lot of the music has a lot of nods or kind of similar sounds to the Pokemon music. Mm-hmm. But basically he plays this little girl and she's like in this tank robot suit. And as the name would imply, it's like it has this giant drill on the front of her. And you use this drill to your advantage in, of course, killing enemies. And that in and of itself, it's this 2D platformer, okay, is, is what it is. And using the drill uh, to kill enemies would be fun in its own right. But Game Freak didn't stop there. The, the drill is used in very unique ways in, in puzzle solving and kind of traversing the world. I don't even know how to fully e- explain it or do justice in explaining it. You need to just look up a review or some gameplay footage. Mm-hmm. But it's a really fun little 2D platformer. What's unique about the game is it's a pink cartridge, okay? And it actually um, is unique in the sense that it's one of two Game Boy Advance games that has force feedback. So it almost has like a rumble feature to it oh. for the Game Boy Advance, which is really weird for the time. And so... Really fun. I don't think it's a very expensive game these days, uh, but a lot of fun. Just a 2D platformer made by Game Freak. Um, good time. Good time. Next one, just for the sheer weirdness of it, but still it does it so successfully, and I still want Nintendo to make another one, is Pokemon Snap. 
on the N64. Yeah. I mean, you're literally traversing this little, like, um, I don't even know, minecart type of thing. Okay. Don't tell me you've never played Pokemon Snap. I've heard of it. I've never picked it up. I think I went, as, I went as far as Stadium and Coliseum. Oh, my word. This is so fun, dude. So you go on this little minecart traversing the world of Pokemon. Oh, is that where you take pictures? You take pictures of them. It's so cool. And you, like, throw rocks and interact with the world to, like, make certain, like, Pokemon appear. You like, can actually do that in Sun and Moon. Yeah. I mean, granted, Sun and Moon is Garbage. crap. They try to pump too much <laughs> into that game. But Pokemon yeah. Snap, in its own right, a singular experience about taking photographs yeah. of, of Pokemon is really pretty unique, and it's, it does yeah. it so well. Um, so definitely Pokemon Snap, great N64 game. Surprisingly inexpensive, too. I think you can get that game for like $10. Most N64 games... Not that you've looked, but... Yeah, I'm very <laughs> avid. Keep tabs on N64 prices on eBay. Because yeah. It's stupid how how, uh, how much that stuff's inflated over the years. But um, next one, another N64 classic. Um, some might call it a hidden gem. Is Beetle Adventure Racing. Okay. So, what? Yeah, exactly. What is that? So you basically race in VW Beetles. Oh, okay. And it's, you know, and that would be fun. And again, and it's own Herbie life. fully loaded. There you go. But what makes this game stand apart from a racing game perspective is that some of these tracks are stupidly long. Like, just crazy. Mm -hmm. Huge. But what makes it fun is that they're short, they're riddled with shortcuts and, um, like, hidden passages and stuff like that. So kind of just going through these levels, like, you know, dozens of times and finding all these little secrets that you can beat people really makes the game fun. Um, I feel like that's kind of lost in most racing games today is, like, um, all little shortcuts, shortcuts and, and stuff like that. Um, but this game is riddled with them. So really fun game. Also, I think pretty inexpensive. The last game I want to talk about is one of my most regrettable purchases ever. So I was going into GameStop one day and I was browsing the PS2 section, which is something I, I wish I could still do these days, but I can't. I found a game called Dog's Life. I love dogs. Everyone yeah. loves dogs, okay? And if you don't, so you, you can't be trusted. Yeah, You have this game... With a dog on the front, and he's like a, um, uh, almost like a wiener dog type looking thing, okay? Okay. And I'm thinking like... Questionable dog choice. I've always wanted to be a dog, okay? What I wasn't thinking at the time is that, <laughs> what do dogs do? They sleep, they eat, and they poop, okay? I wasn't really thinking about that in my like 10-year-old self when I bought the game, but I was like, dog's life, I'm sold. Took it up to the counter, bought it, took it home. I started playing this game, and you play this weirdo little dog named Jake, who... The story basically is he wants to save the love of his life, this Labrador named Daisy, okay? It's out of his league. Yeah, totally. So, has Jake... And then he's put on the Bachelorette and... <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> for dogs. Basically, you go around this world and just pee on things to expand your territory, as dogs do. And you fart on people that don't like you. Such wow. A, and, and you, like, you basically, instead of biting them, you fart on them to, to, to defeat them, Okay. But because Sounds you're like dog, Wario. What's that? Sounds like Wario. <laughs> yeah. But because you're a dog, you have, this, you have access to this little ability called smell-o-vision, which basically allows you to detect smelly things, which, again, I, okay. it's so weird. You're, you're definitely... Yeah, this is weird. <laughs> but things take a turn when the story, like, you really get, like, in the thick of the story. It's about... <laughs> as thick as it can get as yeah. peeing on things. It's about defeating Miss Peaches, okay? Freaking Peaches. Who kidnapped... Your girlfriend Daisy. 
So Miss Peaches is like the head of this company that which basically turned... Okay, this is where... Corella DeVille, kind of. Yeah, so instead of taking dogs and making clothes... That was always terrifying, like, that someone could actually, like, yeah, let's skin a bunch of puppies and put them on a cloth. Yeah, well, okay, Miss Peaches takes dogs and turns them into cat food. Wow. I don't know if she, like, compresses them in a grinder or what the heck she does, but that's what she does. So what's a dog to do? What is Jake going to do? He farts on Miss Peaches. He farts on Miss Peaches, and you save little old Daisy. And you ride off to the distance. I really, like, for some of these games, I just picture, like... With Jim, Kibble, Kibble the, the designer, going into a board meeting and saying, hey, here, here's my design. We're going to pee on things, we're going to fart on things, and then there's a woman named Peaches, and she's trying to make puppy chow. We've seen Stranger Video Games. I mean, when Travis asked this question, you know, I wish I'd played the game called Seaman. It's um, a Dreamcast game that used the, the microphone. And you basically um, had this little fish guy with a fa- with a human face. Oh, and I did. I saw that in the weirdest games. I mean, if you look up strangest games, it's bound to come up. Yep, okay. that's yeah. Um, and you know he's like this little little fish man in a tank, and you talk to him, and he talks back to you, and you converse and have conversations, and and you basically it's like a thing of nightmares. It's it's, it's like a very Sims like in the fact that you kind of build up this this little environment for him to live in, feed him food and stuff, but it's so bizarre. Something I haven't played, but I wish. I wish I could talk to that. Um, I'm sure people listening have played it or at least have seen it, but what a wacky game. Let's see. Question numero dos here. It says, if you could erase your memory and relive your first playthrough of a game, become immersed in it for the first time again without the confidence, the confidence experience it has now brought you, which one would you choose? So what would you choose, Ryan? Um, this was another really hard one. Both really good questions. Um, so at first I was thinking RuneScape, um, but I wasn't sure if that meant like I got to, I didn't get all the experiences that I had with like my friends and things. Yeah. Cause I mean, a lot of those older games, there's a lot of memories. That's the hardest part about this question, you know? Yeah. Um, cause I would like a race for like RuneScape running around in bronze chocolate armor. Yeah. Killing things or chilling with Max. And then I was thinking Bloodborne because just going in it for the first time and experiencing that terrifying world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would have to be Minecraft. Um, because nowadays, I, when I play Minecraft, it's not so much like, well, you get to explore, but I usually go to, like, making a farm. So, like, how many iron bars can I get per minute? Mm-hmm. Like, just trying to gather a bunch of things so I can build. Yeah. But that first kind of <coughs> watching, um, there was a YouTube channel that kind of, played through it but like experiencing that wow there are trees and there are hills and what's going on and then going through all the updates from the very beginning of like because i started when it more or less right after beta so or alpha so i was kind of right after was just purely building to like an actual survival thing Mm -hmm. Um, so as they were doing a bunch of updates we get to experience new trees new environments and it was just that exploration and seeing this 3D world that I could do anything in. That's a cool. That's um, a cool answer. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I haven't really played um, Minecraft. Yeah, but, um, it's I, I play a completely different way now mm-hmm. than I did when I started. Yeah. And it's, it's, I it, I don't know that kind of clear slate to playing it again would be a lot of fun. 
Because, hmm. I mean, looking back, I mean, I was in engineering, or I don't want to say the college name. I, I was back at engineering school, and we were exploring, I was exploring it with one of my um, classmates. And in what the engineering lab, we actually created like a Hitachi server on the engineering lab's hmm. computer. Yeah. And like, <laughs> we, that's why you were like looking up how to spell Hitachi earlier. No, that was, it's a company as well. Okay. Uh, like for automotive stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, the Hitachi server was like one of the biggest like ways that you could create a server back in the day before Microsoft created their own servers mm -hmm. for things. But um, we created a server in our lab and was, we're just building stuff. And um, our engineering teacher caught um, my friend Dave and he was like showing him like this world that we found and like the stuff that we built and like using a, like the electrical wire. So it kind of had like an engineering take. He's like, that's actually really interesting. Like, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but like having those experiences that we could explore together for the first time. Would yeah. Be a lot of fun. Yeah. No, that's a good choice. Um, so for me, you know, as Ryan was saying, it's. It's so tough because you have you have so much nostalgia tied to these games that we love, you know, particularly Kingdom Hearts with me and watching my uncle play Ocarina of Time for the first time. Um, and I, I wouldn't trade those experiences for the world. But one experience that I wish I could almost replicate or have captured on on, on camera or video, um, I almost wish like I could go back in my 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 body today, almost like uh, Bill Murray and, and Scrooge. He, he sees certain things play out in his life. I wish I could go back to when I got Return of the King on the PlayStation 2. Okay, so let me let me kind of play out this scene here. So my parents got divorced when I was five, okay? And so my mom always worked her tail off because she was, she's in, um, she, she cuts hair for a living. So she doesn't, um, it's not the most lucrative of, of careers, um, you know? So she always provided for my sister and I and went above and beyond for Christmases and birthdays and things like that. And so... One Christmas, um, this was the the uh, the year that Return of the King came out, and it also, of course, its counterpart on the PlayStation Two um, released. And so, I had a PlayStation PlayStation Two at my dad's, okay, um, but I did not have one at my mom's. And I was just asking my mom repeatedly, leading up to Christmas, like, "Mom, you know, like all I want for Christmas is the PlayStation Two, please, please," because it was such a uh, um, so tedious to have to transport my PS Two from my my dad's to my mom's. Yeah, um, and so. You know, my mom just said, like, Rusty, like, um, you know, buddy, money's really tight this year. I just don't think I'm going to be able to pull it off. And I was just like, okay, you know, like, yeah, I understand, Mom. Um, so, <sighs> moms are rock stars. <laughs> so, you know, my sister and I, we, we, we rip open all of our gifts and uh, no, no, uh, no PS2. And I was just like, ah, oh, you know, it, it is what it is. Well, then my mom says, Sarah, I have one more gift for you. And this was, this is like literally the Christmas of a lifetime. So my mom brings this box that's making noises because my sister's like an animal lover. She yeah. loves animals. So she brings this box over to my sister. My sister's like freaking the heck out. She opens it up and it's a ferret. <laughs> First of all, ferrets are the greatest pets ever. Okay. Yeah, they stink, but you know what? They're also like the greatest, most fun, little unique creatures um, just have a personality of their own. So we, little Jasmine, we had her forever. Um, but then she looked at me and she said, Rusty, I have one more gift for you. And she pulled out this giant brown generic box. And I was just like, I don't think that's a PlayStation 2. But I ripped it open. It was a PlayStation 2 with two controllers. 
and brand new copy of Return of the King on the PlayStation 2. And I just remember opening that up, booting it up, and playing co-op with my sister. And before having seen the movie, seeing in-game footage from the film in the game was just mind-boggling to me. I almost cried as a young kid. Like, it was so magical of an experience. And just the fact that my mom went out of her way, worked mm. the extra overtime so that she could buy a PlayStation 2 for her son was just so special. And so that's... That experience, I wish I could go back just to see the reaction, raw reaction of little 10-year-old Rusty yeah. open that gift and just eyes just wide and so excited. Um, it's just like the N64 kid on, on YouTube. When he opens up an N64, he's like, N64, oh my gosh! He was like freaking the heck out. I didn't I didn't go that crazy, but I was just, it was more just emotional. Yeah. And I was just like, mom, like I was mature enough at the time to realize that she didn't really have the money, but she still made it happen. So yeah, that's probably my answer for that. So good, good times. Was that the one where, not to, like the the game itself? Mm -hmm. Is that the one where it had like the Dorvin wall and each level was like a little yeah. thing? Yeah, that one was was amazing. And then Legolas got to shoot three like purple arrows. Once you level them up all the way, yeah, yeah. it was so cool because at the very end, um, there were some tough levels like Pelennor Field was really tough. I hated. Well, you had to grind out Frodo and stuff so yeah. that you can unlock yeah. like and other things. What was so cool is that there were three paths. There was the the, the wizard path, so all, you played the Gandalf level. Because I mean, in the movie, of course, there's like three different you know almost storylines going on at the same time. Yeah. So there was the Hobbit path, so you played through Frodo and Sam's path. The path of the king, so you play, you can either choose, of course, Aragorn, Legolas, or Gimli, and then the path and of the And I'm guessing wizard. you're Aragorn? Oh, are you kidding me? Of course I was. <laughs> and once you get Isildur... Lauren had the biggest crush on Aragorn. Um, and that's why, probably why you got married. Why do you say that in the past tense? I still yeah. have a celebrity crush on Aragorn. No, Lauren did, Vigo so Lorenson. you do too. Oh yeah, we're in love with the man. And I, I was always about Legolas. <sighs> Those long brown locks as they and just... pointy ears and uh, that bow... Yeah, Aragorn's yeah. my man. You can Actually, him. I really like Gandalf. I, I really like him. He was so OP with his staff and giant sword. Yeah. But once you get Isildur's sword and, and as Aragorn, man, you just wreck. Just wreck. But such a phenomenal game. Even today, those EA Lord of the Rings games, and of course, I love, pretty much, I find the charm in all Lord of the Rings games, but Two Towers and Return of the King on PS2, Xbox, GameCube especially, are just still hold up so well. Great third-person yeah. action games. You can play co-op. And Return of the King. Two towers you cannot play co-op, but it's still, still good fun. So, wow. Thanks for writing in, Travis. Thanks for everyone writing in. Lots of good emails. Making the show more fun. That's what we're all about. So, keep writing in. Podcast at gmail.com. Link in the show notes. Hey, folks. This is that time in the podcast where we invite all of you to give your sensitive ears a break from our seemingly endless babbling. Some call it an intermission. We call it a lull in audio. Be back shortly. All right, so now we are going to get into the main topic of the episode. <coughs> As we kick off episode five of Utaka Brothers, we figured it'd be perfect to talk about our top five movies of all time. Yeah. So what I want to do first is Nolan, I wanted to come back to his question because he also wrote in his top ten movies. So I'm going to quickly go down the list, maybe spark some discussion here. Um, Well-rounded, Nolan. Um, some good stuff here. But he says, in no particular order here, he didn't, he didn't mark any of these. Um... Empire Strikes Back, The Fifth Element, Die Hard. Wait, what is The Fifth Element? Have you heard of that one? I think Bruce Willis is in that. I have not. That sounds familiar. I, I've not seen it though. Okay. Um, I'm, I, it sounds like a sci-fi type movie. Yeah. I'm not sure though. Die Hard, Bruce Willis showing him some love, mm -hmm. good stuff. 
Jurassic Park, the first yes. one. Oh my gosh, so good. Ocean's Eleven. Wow, what a great little um, heist movie. Yeah. They're coming out with a girl version it of It just came out. Ocean Ocean's eight. 8. A lot of great actresses in that, too. Um, I wonder if it's getting good reviews. It is. Is it? I thought it was going to tank, but yeah, because I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they made Ocean's 13. I've only seen 11, but they made like 11, 12, and 13. Um, but 11 was so great. Like, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, um, mm-hmm. some really good actors. It's like the Expendables cast. Like, it it's just all the classic. It's loaded kind of... with people. Yeah, really good stuff. Um... Oh, and he he does specify here. Um, he says the 1960 and the remake. So I haven't I haven't seen the the, the 1960 version, but the remake I can vouch for that. It's great. Spaceballs, I love it. Um, Spider Man Homecoming, a newer a newer movie, but wow, what a great one. Yeah. Tom Holland's fantastic. Um, the Toy uh, Toy Story, phenomenal Pixar. Yeah. The Fugitive, one I have not seen. And then, really fun last one here, Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> he, he also specifies the original. With, with, what's that? The original? Yeah, with of, Gene Wilder. I mean, yeah. the Johnny Depp one is just really bizarre and weird. That squirrel um, scene. Is have that, you seen it? The newer one? Yeah. I don't think so. I've seen maybe bits and pieces. It's not worth seeing, yeah. but yeah. Johnny Depp, though, you gotta give him props. The man gets into character. He really goes all out. Yeah, we'll give him that. Um, yeah. But without further ado, Nolan, thank you for sharing your top 10 movies of all time. Let's get into ours. So how do you want to do this, Ryan? Do you want me to start kick it off um, with my number five? I want to preface it. This is It was really hard to yeah. figure out top five. Yeah. Like, my strategy, because, I mean, I couldn't, I totally forgot about Jurassic Park, and mm-hmm. but it's such a dynamic list that is, are ever-changing based off of, like, my mood or, like, what I'm feeling. Yeah. So this is basically, like what I was feeling at the time that I wrote the list. Yeah. No, Not, it's... Like, it's... I think the top... My first one is always always going to be the same. Yeah. Um, same. But, like, maybe three through five, I think I changed it bef- as we were recording. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And so, yeah, to add on to that, it's I think it's very much like our, our top uh, ten video game list and the fact that one, these are our personal lists. We're not ranking, like, the top ten movies ever made. These are our top five favorites yeah. um, that we personally enjoy. Um, and, and for me, too, like, my number one for movies and video games probably won't change um, for time and place reasons and nostalgia. But like you, a lot of these other ones could very easily fall off the list or move up or down or yeah. whatever. Um, so Lauren and I actually... When her and I were recording YouTube videos together, we only did a few, a handful of them. Um, we both actually shared our top 10 movies. So I'm going to do my back half of the 10 really quickly, not really talk about them. Mm. And then I'll we'll talk more in depth with the top five. So number 10, Halloween, the, the original John Carpenter. By the way, my goodness, people, look up the trailer October 19th, be there. Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, it's going to go down and it's going to get real intense. Yeah, we have to, you have to watch, or I need to watch the original. I have almost all of them on Blu-ray. Okay. They're so good, which it's interesting because the continuity doesn't really matter in those. Like, this is basically... No, because it's all about plot in scary movies. Well, with the Halloween movies, it gets really, really pretty out there. Yeah, I mean, there's, from from movie to movie, it does, it... Yeah, the stories do continue, but this uh, new, almost, not even reimagining, but this is a direct sequel to the original. Uh, the ones that you know came out subsequent to the original um, did continue the story, but they're basically writing those off, and this is just a direct sequel, which is interesting. 
Um, I definitely have no reservations against that, though. I did really love H2O, which was Halloween 20 years later after the original. Um, but there's a lot of good ones. We'll, we'll, get, we'll watch Yeah, them. we'll have to watch them. Um, number nine, people are going to call me out for being, uh, I don't even know, probably a, a bad name, something that I can't say on the podcast. Titanic. I'm a hopeless romantic when it comes to these type of uh, romantic yeah, Okay, you, you got the notebook, you've got the proposal, you've got decent romance stories. 13 going on 30. Or what's that one, the uh, wedding, um, like, escort guy, where, like, he's, like, the wedding date, I think is what it was. Okay, yeah. That one's a good one. Yeah. No, there's a lot of great romantic But the Titanic, really? Oh, yeah, dude. I'll, I'll, like, literally watch that movie. I could watch it, like, three to five times a year. Yeah, that was another one I could get And I'll totally also admit, like, every time I watch that movie, I, like, hope that Jack gets on the freaking board because there's enough room. And I almost cry every time. Like, I, I, you can call me whatever the heck you want, but man, you know what? I, I'm soft for that movie. Like, I just, <laughs> okay. you know what? I yeah. love it. Um, Kate Winslet and Jack, or, uh, and Leonardo DiCaprio. I like that they still have, like, a good friendship they or do. an awesome friendship. They really do. They're pretty funny. Um, they actually did a movie, too, maybe five or six years ago. I never saw. It was a more serious drama type movie, but I definitely need to check that. It's, I think it's on Netflix, but... I'm talking more about these movies than I, I wanted to, but um, number eight is a tie between The Breakfast Club and Perks of Being a Wallflower. They're just two excellent movies that I love. Um, Perks of Being a Wallflower especially, just a lot of the the messages. It's a Hermione one, right? Yeah, she's in or Emma Watson. Watson. Um, there's just a lot of stuff in the movie that hits home for me, and uh, it's just real good. Um, the Dark Knight is number six. Good. Or no, number seven, I'm sorry. Number six, The Count of Monte Cristo, an excellent movie of, of redemption and just seeking justice. Mm -hmm. um, really pretty cool. The payoff at the end of the movie is great. Um, but we can get into the top five movies now. So do you want to kick it off with number five? I can start out. Go for it. Yeah. So my first one, or I guess my number five, is No Country for Old Men. Real, so this is the one we started watching with your parents, and they were like, Ryan, we're not watching this, because it was like... Yeah, it was that or Equilibrium we started watching, and then they got into, like, killing dogs, and Dad was like, yeah, I'm gonna go upstairs. Like in the first five minutes of the movie, there's just slaughtering of people, and I was yeah. just like, I was like looking at you like, yeah, man, this is gonna be good, and your parents were like, we're turning this off. And I was just like, yeah, oh. did you ever finish watching it? I didn't, I need to, though. Okay, um, I really like, I mean, in my spare time, I watch documentaries on, like, psychopaths, and, like, killers, and, like... I find that fascinating. Yeah. So this is a very accurate, like, depiction of psychopathy. And um, I don't... I mean, I, it's been a while, because I watched it back in college. Um, but... I, so I don't really remember a ton of the plot. I just remember that the, the interaction between the antagonist and the protagonist, which was um, the... And or the protagonist was like a cop or an investigator, and he was like trying to catch this guy. Mm -hmm. um, it was just a really good dynamic between the two. Um, lots of good action, and you just you felt uncomfortable to be in like the same room as this guy. Now, is this the one with Daniel Day Lewis? Um, um, it has the same guy who played uh, Thanos. Um. Josh oh, Brolin. Josh Brolin. Yeah. Man of Goonies fame and Thanos and he, his career is blowing up. Yeah. He's been in a lot lately. We need to see Deadpool 2, speaking of. Yeah, we do. We need and to see, Solo. Yeah, gosh. And Hereditary just came out today. Mm -hmm. New horror flick that looks off the charts crazy. Can't yeah. Can't wait. Um, 
Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, Lawrence texted me. Um, okay, so wait, that's your five. Anything more to say? No, it's. I just remember there's some really good lines, and it's just a really great depiction of a psychopath, and I find that fascinating. And I was reading something. Uh, it was... It was a bunch of psychology um, students got together and watched a bunch of different movies about um, basically killers or people who are psychopaths, and they said this was the most accurate depiction out of all the movies that they watched. Really? Yeah. So definitely worth watching. It's definitely violent and lots of blood and stuff, but a really good movie. Cool. Yeah, good, good choice. I definitely need to check that one out. Um, so my number five is probably equally dark and lots of violence, and I think it it may hold the record for most F-bombs in a movie. Okay. And that is by the esteemed director Martin Scorsese's The Departed. Okay, so this, uh, I remember distinctly seeing this when it first came out in, uh, at the Dollar Theater with my dad. Mm. Um, my dad is a huge... Um, and of course, just backtrack. So Martin Scorsese is like Goodfellas, The Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. um, Aviator, uh, Shutter Island, things like that. Um, Leo and him must be super tight because he's, Leo's in almost all of his movies. But in any case, this is essentially like a crime drama, um, you know, similar to something like Goodfellas. And basically, the cast, we're going to talk about an all-star cast. Basically, this Irish mob um, leader is Jack is Jack Nicholson. Okay, dude, you need to be careful with the movements over there. Yeah, I'm, I'm frantically googling. Yeah, well, the movements are <laughs> getting picked up. So, basically, Jack Nicholson's kind of this Irish mob guy, and one of the people in his gang is is Matt Damon's character. Okay, okay? so it's kind of a two two way street here. So the the Massachusetts Massachusetts um, like the Boston police send one of their guys undercover to infiltrate this gang. But then on the flip side, they send Matt Damon into the kind of the police force to kind of infiltrate that. And so this crazy dynamic um, of both sides trying to get inside information. And once both sides realize that there's kind of um, a mole and on each side, things get real crazy. Like the last five minutes of this movie are absolutely insane. Like, yeah, no, I remember really enjoying Oh, you saw it? Yeah. Okay, I, okay, I didn't yeah. know if you had I just it. wanted a visual. Yeah. But yeah, no, I remember it being really good. Yeah, so, wow, yeah, such a great movie. I mean, honestly, I love the Godfather movies. They are, I mean, cinema, you know, genius. Some of the be best films ever, ever made. But I feel like The Departed is kind of like this generation's Godfather. Um, it's, yeah, really, it's, it's a really a pretty... phenomenal film. So, if you haven't seen it, I mean, certainly... It's not for, for virgin ears. I mean, there's definitely a lot of foul language. I'm pretty sure there's like nudity and sexual content. So just, just be cognizant of that. Be mind, <laughs> mindful of watching this around your kids. Um, definitely an adult film, but my gosh, is it, is it worth watching? So check out The Departed. Um, great, great movie. So yeah. what's your number four, man? My number four, um, I changed this. Originally, it was V for Vendetta. Um, but I, I changed. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Um, a lot of poetry and kind so of good. Message. The dialogue in that movie is so that good. one line where he goes through all the V words. Oh my to gosh. Natalie Portman, it's so perfect. Like written. I think that's the first interaction. Yeah, it's, oh, it's really good. Wow. So um, good. I changed it to Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, okay. I mean, I mean, equally good choice. Great. The music. Is um, 
Yeah, uh, music was actually my first thing that I listed. It's all those classic songs. Um, and then this was the first kind of movie in the MCU where they branched out into the universal size, not just on Earth or like specifically for Thor and Asgard. This was, we're hopping around the universe too, or the galaxy or universe. Um, and then they introduced the Infinity Stones on a bigger scale and actually um, seeing the first stone. Um, it was, yeah. It was great. I, I've watched this movie so many times, and the music, and like the opening scene where he's skipping around, he's like, singing he, he like grabs the, like the little yeah, lizard the guy, lizard he's like thing. singing, he's like, but you know, like, man, it's just <laughs> yeah. so so classic. Um, yeah, Chris Pratt was really made for that role, and it's funny because you know he contacted the director James Gunn, and and originally Gunn was not was not really on board with allowing Chris Pratt to have the role because I mean if you ever watched. Um, Parks and Rec. He was big. I mean, he was a bigger guy. He wasn't in shape. And Chris Pratt, like, would s repeatedly send him pictures of his body. Like, do I look, essentially, do I look rip ripped enough yet? Like, you know, he was training, like, a horse for this role. Yeah. And uh, he paid off. And that was, I mean, his um his career's exploded. Yeah, he was, know? like, a Navy SEALer or something in one of them. Or was that, that um, was the guy in the office. Uh, oh, yeah, that was um, John Krasinski. He was in, like, 13 hours or whatever that was yeah, called okay um yeah no guardians of the galaxy is definitely the one the first one more so than the second you know it's funny you bring that up because you know lauren i remember she uh she brought two movies home one day deadpool and guardians of the galaxy yeah and we that's funny you remember that i was about to say john wick but i think i picked up john wick too yeah, because um, I picked up John Wick, too. That's we were right. At the, I mean, I bought it after the fact, but yeah. You're, I don't know where we were. We were on, like, a trip. Oh, we were in uh, a place where you got your car uh, thing chopped off. Oh, that's right. My catalytic converter got yeah. cut off. Okay. Um, why were you guys there? That's a very good question. Oh, we were visiting Rick, I think. Okay. For, I don't know why we were there. Huh. We were in that part of the state. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so anyways, I remember Lauren bringing both movies home. Um, are you playing footsies with me? That's the, um, the bottom. I leg. have very long legs. If that's the case. <laughs> um, gosh. Hey, you're squeaking over there. What are you doing? I lost my train of thought. That's what I did. Um, yeah, Lauren so brought home movies. Yeah, she brought home Deadpool and uh, Guardians two. And watch Deadpool. Probably should have watched Guardians two first to kind of set the, you know, set the standard low. Uh, not that Guardians two is a bad movie, but I just I watched. I don't know. I was tired that day. I watched it the first 30 minutes and I was like, sweetheart, I'm going to bed. I'm tired. Yeah. Um, That's when you're studying. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And so I need to just watch the movie again. I just, the fact that it was like about like, you know, he, him finding his dad or whatever, the story itself just wasn't overly intriguing to me. Like okay. I, I wasn't immediately sucked in. Like I need to watch this movie. So I need to go back because I heard the music is good, but the first one certainly is just phenomenal. Um, yeah. They really did a great job with the music and, and just the characters and even the casting. I mean, you know, Chris Pratt, uh, Bradley Cooper is, is Ra uh, Rocket, and um, um, Vin Diesel is Groot, Groot. And then the Gamora was a really good casting. Zoe uh, was in She was in um, Star Trek. Star well, she was in Star Trek and Avatar. And Avatar, the yeah. main girl. Um, so. And then the uh, wrestler guy as Drax. Dave Bautista, maybe? Yeah. yeah, he's awesome. He got a lot better in his acting in the second one. He did. Yeah, yeah. and even um, in uh, Infinity War, too. You know, yeah. He, he had some good, good, good points there, too, so. Um, awesome. So that was your number four, right? Yeah. Okay, what so, about yours? So my number four, I cannot have a top ten movie list without showing Harry Potter some love, okay? Okay. So my favorite Harry Potter, um, 
It wavers. So it actually goes between... I'm going to judge you on this. Come on. Oh, that's fine. So it goes between the Order of the Phoenix, okay? Okay. Because there's a lot of great dialogue towards the end, especially when Voldemort, because, you know, he's kind of, like, overpowering Harry in his mind. And there's this, this part, or there's this scene after, you know, Voldemort and Dumbledore do their little duel. Oh, we're spoilers for... Oh, give me points. a break. If you haven't seen Order of the Phoenix <laughs> yeah. yet, you don't get off this podcast. Yeah. Um... Yeah, but there's hey, a, hey, I'm trying to be courteous. I, I, uh, yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate because there's some big, really big plot points at that end of that. Yeah, one. for sure. But anyway, so, so you know, Harry is like on the floor, and and Voldemort is like trying to go into his mind, and he doesn't succeed. But Harry like is basically saying like, you know, Voldemort, I actually feel sorry for you because essentially, um, you don't have love and friendship, and I'm always gonna feel sorry for you because of that. Yeah, and then he like essentially casts Voldemort out of his mind. It's just this really powerful, emotion, emotionally impactful scene, especially after the only person that was still close to Harry and his family, um, Sirius, Sirius, gets killed, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and then you got that Dumbledore fight, which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, just to see, yeah, the, the, you know, the clash between Voldemort and Dumbledore, because you don't see that ever again. Mm-mm. And that's like the, the, the first time you really see... Like a duel. Dumb, well, in Dumbledore show his true powers. Yeah. You know, so... Um, so yeah, I mean, honestly, I could either say order or the one I'll say now is, is Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay. Yeah. Um, I love both serious centric movies. Yeah. I mean, I love the first two movies. Um, the first one, especially it's like a Christmas movie for me. I just, I love watching that and just seeing, you know, the young kids, but three for me was that turning point in the series where not only did it get darker, you know, with, um, Azkaban just, yeah, just death serious. Yeah. Um, what are they called Death, Death Eaters? Eaters. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, Dementors. Dementors. I think I was going to say Nazgul, but... Yeah, they kind of look like that, yeah. but, um, you know, is that yeah. kind of turning point where the... This... They're really good kissers. Okay, Dementors so, kiss? I know, okay. I, I got the pun The joke. cheap joke? Yeah. Okay. I got it. I just, I just didn't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. <laughs> if you address it, it happened. Yeah. I tried not to, um... Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. But anyways, Prisoner of Azkaban, I, I really liked because Gary Oldman as, um as serious just a great actor and it was a turning point in the series where it got a little bit darker and as the as the characters the actors and actresses themselves matured a little bit i mean that was a time in my life where you know i was getting older i, I became a teenager and just seeing that kind of grow up with them was pretty cool um plus the time turner part of the story is really unique i uh, is really unique i said unique and neat in the same word um i like buckbeak buckbeak is really yeah. cool um and just that whole sequence it was kind of weird though because um you know, in the book, it's like the third chapter where Harry gets his firebolt. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, it's like the very end scene when yeah. Sirius sends him that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban is fantastic. But so is Order. Yeah. yeah, I love all the movies, but except, was, except for Goblet. I'm not a huge Goblet fan. You son of a... I... <laughs> that was my favorite freaking book. Dude, you just swore. Yeah, well, it's, it's warranted under that one. Um... <laughs> No, seriously. Okay, that's that's fine. Well, because you got that vampire twinkly guy from Twilight in there, but <laughs> besides Robert the Pattinson? yeah, sure. Besides the casting, um, there were just so much going on. In, in four. A, in four. Yeah, no, for sure. You have Tri Wizard Tournament. You've got the uh, World Cups or whatever. Which I don't called. think there was enough payoff for the Tri Wizard or not the Tri Wizard Tournament. I'm sorry. Um, the uh, the the Quidditch World Cup. 
No, they did. They had the whole de- uh, Death Eaters, like, mark. No, but, like, they were like, oh, yeah, we're getting excited for Crumb in this giant game that's about to take place. And then it was just, like, over. They're in the, they're in the tent, they get- like, cheering, like, Victor Crumb, Victor Crumb. Yeah, I'm yeah. just like, wait a second, we're not going to see Quidditch? Well, but, like, in the books themselves, that, that was, they went into more detail there. Oh, I know. I mean, I'm just saying, like, there's a certain payoffs that we didn't see. Yeah. Um, but, again, the movie was, I mean, that might be, like, the longest Harry Potter movie already, so they couldn't really fit a whole lot more plus i imagine if there's if there's a, an expensive scene to try and film I, I'd it imagine would be cgiing a bunch of people like zooming around stuff yeah. and then you have all the backdrop would be really expensive yeah, yeah. but um but yeah uh, that's my number four okay <laughs> my uh my number three was goodwill hunting oh my word what a oh, yeah Good yeah word. um robin williams matt damon it's not your fault <laughs> it's not your fault. Such a it's good scene. Fault. Yeah, no, it's really powerful. Um, yeah, there's just really well-built characters, and I really, I find Matt Damon's character fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, having a character that's super smart mm-hmm. doesn't always work. No. I mean, you can have, like, these more, like, superhuman characters, and they don't relate well to others. But he was actually like a real relatable character. Yeah, he was. He, I mean, with unfortunate circumstances, mm-hmm. that and then Robin Williams' character reaching out and doing all that nurturing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy that Ben Affleck and, and Matt wrote that like in college together, mm-hmm. and then I mean, they, wow. I mean, I'm sure, I think it won Academy Awards for Best Actor, yeah. Best Supporting Actor. I mean, it's really pretty pretty remarkable movie. I think I was watching an interview with him that they were. I think they went to the same high school together. Really? Did they? Yeah, or it was high school or college. Well, they definitely went to the same college together. Yeah. Yeah. But they would have, like, I think it was high school then. They would have, like, working lunches where they would, like, yeah, are you going to go to the meeting at lunch today? And then they'd sit down together and they wouldn't really have anything to talk about. But they'd, like, pretend to have these meetings at really? lunch. That's funny. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a really good emotional um, movie. That's as emotional, I guess, as my movies get. Not so much rom-coms or Titanic, mm-hmm. but Goodwill Hunting, where there's lots of character development, and you actually feel for the characters. Yeah, no, it's. I it's... can't relate to floating away on a door, so much as, like. You heard it here, folks. Taki Brothers <laughs> has fortunately come to an end <laughs> yeah. because of Brian's dislike of one of my favorite movies. Yeah, well, it was it was the back half of your. Top 10, um, but so. no, it's it's funny you bring up like kind of smart characters not being able to relate because there's one movie that is not on my top ten but very easily could be and that's A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've actually never seen that movie. It's it's really pretty amazing. I mean, it's it's about John Nash, the the, the mathematician. Okay. Yeah. And, no, I I've watched scenes from it. And I've... so he basically, I mean, he's brilliant, but to to a fault, you know. Mm-hmm. And he um he's a paranoid schizophrenic, mm-hmm. and you know that really affects his 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 marriage and him raising his child and his his career and just his everyday life and it's just really special to see Russell Crowe so perfectly act that out and become this person that is is just ill is yeah. mentally ill um and yeah wow just what a powerful movie um yeah i don't know i i just i just kind of thought of it when you're talking about like smart people that aren't necessarily relatable um what a special movie yeah it, that are like another good one 
that I haven't seen since, gosh, I don't know, middle school was like October Skies. I is that the the rocket shooting one? Yeah, yeah. We watched that in like my seventh in seventh grade or something. That was yeah, cool. Well, because I think isn't Jake Gyllenhaal? I think yeah, he's, he's like super, that's one of his first ones. Yeah, that, I remember that. That is a really good movie. Yeah, like um, it, it was a coal mining town, and yeah. he wanted to build rockets. That's a cool movie. The, you have like Sputnik and stuff. Yeah, and it was that kind of. Cold War era. That's a great movie. Um, I totally forgot about that until you were talking about <laughs> Beautiful Mind. But. Yeah. No, that's that, yeah. Good, good movie there. Um, yeah. You just did your number three. Yes. Okay. So your three. So my number three. Um, you know, I talked about in the Star Wars episode that my favorite Star Wars movie was Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. So look there for my thoughts because that is my number three. I'll briefly kind of talk about that. Um, there's a lot of Star Wars movies nowadays. Um, but what really sells Return of the Jedi for me um, is partly time and place when I watched it, but also because um, Empire for the longest time was, was my favorite Star Wars movie. But um, kind of looking back now and having watched them again, just just the internal struggle between Vader and how Luke was able to kind of pull the good out of him and just that father-son um, kind of rekindling moment that they have at the end of the film is really pretty pretty awesome. And mm-hmm. uh I don't know. I mean, the Ewoks, I love that. The the speeder bikes in the Endor Forest. Like, all of those things I think are really pretty cool. And, uh, I don't know. I just love Return of the Jedi. Yeah. we. I mean, we talked about it on yeah. the Star Wars podcast. Don't need to go any further. But, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a great redemption story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your number two? Mine is Infinity War. Really? Wow. Yes. Already? Are you sure? You've only seen it once. I know. I need to see it again. But, yeah. uh, as the kind of pinnacle or i guess the combination of what close to 20 movies that they've had in the mcu um it's it was amazing it was like two and a half hours of just pure action and like black panther um the villain they build him that you can actually feel for his story Mm -hmm. and you can you feel sympathetic so like in black panther his name is ex- escaping me, but is it Michael B. Jordan? Is he the main? Yeah, villain? is he really? Yeah, because I saw but, him. Like he goes through. Yeah, like yeah. Go ahead. I don't know. I was just gonna in... say like I mean I haven't seen Black Panther yet. He was in the Rocky movie. Yeah, Creed. Yeah, wow, he's great. I mean, he was. A, he kind of got a start um, actually on Friday Night Lights, the TV show. Yeah, he was like the quarterback, and he's super scrawny then. Now he's like just he's huge, jacked. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, his that villain. I mean, in Black Panther was. I mean, as the plot worked out, you felt you're like, I actually understand and don't, I'm not mad at you as a villain for doing what you're doing. Like, mm-hmm. it's completely justified. Yeah. And I mean, Infinity War is a vastly larger scale for yeah. their ambitions or for Thanos's ambitions. Um, but you feel for the character mm-hmm. for what he had gone through. At least what they do in the actual cinematic universe compared to the um, comics itself. Yeah. Uh, but Thanos, I've always been intrigued by Thanos and the Infinity Stones. Um, and then it's it's interesting how they tie in kind of Iron Man's fears mm-hmm. to from like Age of Ultron, like the visions he sees to like how it all kind of wraps up in the end. Um I don't want to spoil anything because it's still yeah. relatively new. Yeah, we'll have to do an episode about probably just the entire Marvel universe and we could favorite probably, characters. We, we could probably talk like our top five to ten movies because there's like thirty of them now. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I, it's just the characters like they're complete. Some of them are completely more or less redone. Like Spider Man. I mean, with like new suits, new gadgets. Iron Man. They give 
his abilities in this one. Because mm-hmm. Iron Man, to me, I know he's like a flagship kind of the first movie in the MCU. But his moves were kind of just like shoot a laser kind of thing. Yeah. But his, like some of his fights, they introduced so many new things for the character that I actually love the character now. Yeah. And to kind of not spoil anything, but I feel like this was the first like Marvel movie where the characters were like literally fearful. Like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. Like Game of Thrones kind of like who's going to like die. I don't know who's going to survive. Yeah. Like, can um, you beat this villain? Because I feel like with even like the first Avengers movie and what was the second one? Age of Ultron. Yeah. Um, they were still confident. They don't, you know, they'd all be back to back. Like, we got this because we're the Avengers. They can't kill off because they're still in the rising action of the plot. Yeah. But this one was like, some of us are going to die. We're not all going to be here tomorrow. And it was terrifying going into the theater. You're like, I don't know. Like, because you hear throughout, like, the media and stuff, like, these contracts are being put up. Yeah. So, like, Chris Hemsworth, he wasn't super fond of the character anymore. He had kind of lived out his life until Ragnarok, where he's, like, with Watiki or Watiti or the director. Mm-hmm. He, um, the style that he used, it was kind of... A lot of the jokes were actually Chris mm-hmm. making up on the spot. Yeah. Um, and he really liked that and revitalized and he was willing to do a new one. Yeah. So, like, Captain America, he, like, originally when he got the character, um, he said it was such a long contract. Like, he's, he didn't know if he wanted to do all these films, but he signed up for it. Mm-hmm. So, like, getting towards the end of the contracts, you don't know if, like, Iron Man, they're going to get rid of him just purely for contract's sake or if it's going to be a good plot. Yeah. That stuff tied like the real world tied into the how they made this universe well yeah i mean it's just like movies like (laughs) recently they just announced that um andrew lincoln um rick from the walking dead he's leaving after the first six episodes of season nine really yeah and same with um uh, lauren cohen uh maggie yeah and so like both of them are like jumping ship and so like well they've been there for like 30 years nine seasons which is stupid i mean what really frustrates me about that, and I know we're kind of on a tangent here, but I think the listeners will appreciate this kind of little mini discussion if you're a fan of The Walking Dead. Um, that's a show that was really pretty great, like the first four to five seasons. I Yeah, I think I watched until the end of the conflict between Rick and his friend, his, like, cop buddy. Morgan? Uh, like Oh, no, you're talking about um, Shane. Shane. That was, like, season two. Yeah. When and then, Carl shot him. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Spoilers for like seven years ago. Yeah. And then um, like the wife related stuff. Yeah. And but then like after that where they're in the prison, it was so it almost became monotonous. You're like, they're going to run. It's almost kind of like um, Fallout 3 where it's so much gray and so much of the new like or the same ghouls and things. Yeah. That Um, the antagonists are always going to be the same. You can throw in like. The guy with the bat with things, Negan. I mean, or my, my, the my, governor, but it's yeah. it doesn't change the overall plot that they're facing the same kind of horde. Yeah, no, my main gripe with the series is that you know Robert Kirkman, he's creating a comic, he's has the creative freedom to do whatever he wants, and that's that's fine. But as the showrunners, they've already taken creative liberties, and as far as certain characters have died off, and um, others have have lived on that are you know completely separate from the comic. Um, but what I feel like the the um, the writers have not ever had in mind is that they thought the longevity of this show was forever, and that these actors and actresses were just going to be here forever, and as such, they've not in any way developed the plot towards like an end goal. 
Mm-hmm. If they do, it, it's certainly not evident in watching it. Yeah. Because they're focused on the human side of it, which is totally fine. But if there is a cure, we need to be moving towards that. Or if there is an end game where, spoilers, Carl's dead, he's gone. Well, that was like, wasn't that a contract dispute where the guy just terminated him? Yeah, they fired him. And everyone was surprised. But now if Rick... Okay, so forever, I, watching the show... I, was I think just, the cast was actually really pissed about that. They were. Because it was but, really spontaneous. They were. But like, forever, my thought process was, okay, they're, it's kind of like I Am Legend. This is not going to get cured. Okay? Yeah. So, end game, they're going to find a community where they're going to be able to provide for themselves. Rick, because of age or other circumstances, is going to die and Carl's going to take the reins and become the leader. Mm-hmm. But since Carl's dead and Rick is leaving, so they're going to have to kill him off. God help us all if if we don't get the the, the justice served for, for Negan dying. And so help me if he becomes the new leader. Because I won't stand for that. That's not fair. Yeah. Because... The way that, what's his face? Glenn got his face bashed in right in front of Maggie's eyes. If Maggie doesn't get the justice served of killing Negan, I will be fuming. And I'll be especially mad if Negan just becomes the new leader and they just keep going on with this long story. Because they'd have to humanize that character or else he'd be stale. Right? And to lead a group that he exactly. tortured. And they probably will start season 9, episode 1, with Negan before the outbreak. And he was this great family man. I think he was literally a gym coach in a previous, or at least in the comic he was. Uh-huh. And then his wife That's died. That's why he's of, really good with the baseball bat. Yeah, his wife died of cancer. And there's like this long, drawn out, like sad sob story. So he became a guy that beats people's heads in with a nail bat or a, a barbed wire bat. But, but That's a logical progression. Yeah, but oh my word. I just... I Without watched, any stimuli? The show should have ended a season ago. Okay, Breaking Bad, take notes, TV writers. There was no filler. Every episode had a purpose. Everything came full circle. There were yep. no open-ended, loose questions unanswered, lost, I'm looking Think at lost. you. lost. I was just thinking of yeah, lost. Um, things at the end of the season. You Literally, when I watched the final episode of Breaking Bad, I almost cried because I was just like, that was seriously perfect. Yeah. It was perfect. You know, everything... It was a salute. Down to the, you know, the way... Um, it's the equivalent of the epilogue Wal- of Uncharted 4. Totally is. You know, when Walt, the way he goes in there and gets business done, and, I'm, you know, I'm not going to spoil it because yeah. some people may not watch it, the way it all unfolds, it's just perfect. And I feel like Walking Dead, we're long past that. They've overstayed their welcome already. They've lost probably millions of fans over the years. I know, I know people that have stopped watching this show two or three years ago because yeah. it was just like where are we going here? it was also really it's stressful to binge watch those yeah Lauren's not fond of it she can watch like one episode I mean well, I'm, Lauren I'm and I binge watched in college three episodes and like I'm more like in her dorm and I more or less like was having a panic attack yeah. walking back to my dorm see I'm fine like binge watching that type of stuff but I get that I totally there's so much anxiety throughout the year like because they can retroact, but like you're afraid that someone's gonna die. Yeah, I can. Totally so the entire see you're like, oh crap, are they gonna die? And yeah. just freaking out. Um, yeah, I mean that was a long Walking Dead rant, but my my end of the day, my my main point here is, <coughs> do something, show us an end game, like go somewhere with this show that isn't Infinity because it's getting real old, mm-hmm. real fast. But 
Infinity Wars oh <laughs> was a really good movie um, to wrap up Infinity Wars. Gosh, That's my number two. That was your number two, so okay, I'm on my two. This is pretty much on every top movie list ever, and for good reason, and that is Shawshank Redemption. Okay, I've actually never seen that one. I know. Dude, I know. Serious shame look right I've now. I've heard so many good things. And Tim that's... Robbins, Morgan Freeman's probably best movie, literally, as the name it's would imply, a classic. the greatest story of redemption ever. Okay, so mm-hmm. I actually had a quote. This is like literally on the, 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 the movie poster. It says, okay. fear can hold you prisoner. Hope can set you free. And so there's, I mean, there's a lot of famous quotes in the movie, but like one of the, the quotes is... You know, they're, they're, they're sitting down outside, um, and Red, who's Morgan Freeman, was talking to um, Andy, and this is just before the movie takes its main plot talk turn, and, and Andy basically looks at Red, and he's like, well, Red, you either got to get busy living or get busy dying? Yeah, I think that's the... Yeah, is the, is the quote. It's just really cool, and, and how that kind of sparks everything into motion. But basically, to kind of high level is... Don't, don't spoil this one. High level, like I said. Okay. Andy is um, wrongfully accused of killing his wife in the beginning of the movie. He's like an accountant, mm-hmm. and he's put in Shawshank Prison where the warden is like an evil, crazy psychopath that basically just very poorly treats his prisoners. Okay? And, um, you know, Andy is greeted by a certain group of people, particularly Red Morgan Freeman. They become best friends, and then just the rest of the movie unfolds as it does. Okay. But it really shows you, like, prison life, um, how... They get so acclimated to this lifestyle that when they're released, like one of the old man, um, one of the old man, old, old guys, he's released mm-hmm. and he goes out and he just doesn't know how to function because yeah. he's been so act- like I remember it's similar to, like, to the military. Like, yeah, they come back and there's like PTSD. They just don't know how or to. They don't know how to assimilate into like civilian life because they're so used to it, that thought process. Yeah. So it's I mean, it's a remarkable movie. I remember actually the first time I watched it was in. Um, psychology class i think in, mm-hmm. in eighth grade um but wow what a special movie yeah um, i need to see that for we sure. definitely need to watch that for sure but what is your number one movie i think we can actually just yeah we, we can go through this together yeah fellowship of the rings it's my favorite movie of all time yeah um i for the number of times when i need like background noise mm-hmm. my go-to because i have the extended edition on my computer um so it's what a four-hour movie. Oh yeah, it's like I've, four hours. I mean, because I, it's really hard to sit down for twelve hours and go through the entire yeah thing, which I've done probably maybe seven or eight times for all of them. I don't even want to know. I can't quantify. If that, or probably more than that. I go through these movies, especially like if my job during certain times of the year allows me to work from home, or if I have to come home and work at night. I've binge these movies at least at least three times a year. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I only get through the fellowship and I I mean, even for like the hobbits, I really like the first one the most. It's where you get Do all you? Yeah. No, it's where you get all the character development. You get to meet these characters, explore the world a little bit. I mean, you don't get all the major like plot points or battles like in um like the Helm's, Helm's Deep, Deep or, or the like North Fields, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you don't get all that, but the Belrog is probably one of my favorite characters. That in reveal is of, so awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I mean, even today, and that movie came out in like two thousand one. Yeah, watch it through it. The, it's solid. I mean, when they're on the bridge of 
the bridge of Kasadum. Yeah. You know, as, as Gandalf so um, fearlessly says when they're like, where was, like, they're looking for, like, where do we go? And he's like, yeah. to the bridge of Kasadum. And then it's like, dun, dun, da <laughs> Great music starts playing. Howard Shore, my gosh, man, I salute you for the wonderfully composed soundtracks you can. You made for us with uh, Lord Did you of ever watch the like behind the scenes where they actually go into all the stuff or like the preparation for that movie? There's um, like an entire like I don't know two hour thing that they had on the DVDs. Did you ever watch that where they like show it's like a three year process prepping? Like they had thousands of outfits. All those things are handmade and designed by like well, one that's woman. That's why. That's why. Um, Return of the King won like eleven Academy Awards. That you know when it was, uh, it, it broke. It records. won everything. It won everything. Every every category that it was in, I'm pretty sure it won. Yeah, insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't even know how we can do this movie justice in dissecting it and talking about the things we love. I think, if, if, you know, the start of it, the casting is is unmatched for me. Yeah, I don't know a movie that is so well casted. I mean, the Marvel movies aside, you know, like every character is perfect for me uh-huh. like there's not one person where i look at them and i'm like you know it would have been nice if they had x y and z in that role and, not and like person. even looking back at the people that they're considering casting for these characters See, i haven't gone into that i don't even want to don't yeah. don't it's not worth it, it'll hurt you're like oh really you consider that person for aragorn oh no don't no vigo Vigo's yeah for life man but like vigo i think he was convinced by his son he really? was like really into reading the books and was like, "You need to play this." Really? Yeah. And then I think Gandalf was like a similar thing. He like knew someone. <sighs> Sir, or I think he. Ian yeah. McKellen. He's my favorite. Dude, I am gonna weep when he passes away. I'd be gay for that man. Dude, for real. <laughs> he is. Wow. No, so he's. Oh, he's amazing. I'm. Yeah, I was really sad when Saruman, Saruman died. Oh, um, oh, what is his name? Count Dooku? You keep talking. I'm going to look this yeah. up. Yeah, no, I, I was really sad when he passed away. And it's that generation of actors, because they were all in, um, they were all in plays and did stage work. Um, and heck, to be knighted. Christopher Lee. Yes. Yeah. Um, Matt actually has a signature from him. No. Because he in Chicago he lived like next to the like his god kids. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. Um but yeah, no, those such a good movie. Yeah, I mean from the very beginning, you know, apart from the you know, the um, the lore development where, you know, the lady's kind of narrating, you know, and it began with the forging of the great rings. Three were given to the elves. And, you know, she goes into that. That's that's fine. and That's great. Especially. They're like, we have three minutes to set the stage. Yeah. For the backdrop of thousands of years. Yeah. And but they think, I thought they did it justice, especially when um, the elves are fighting. There's just that giant um, camera view of like. Pan out of all of them. Yeah. It's so epic. Um but you know when when the the, um, the Shire music starts playing, we don't do it justice. But no, um, I was afraid to go into Zelda. <laughs> yeah, Frodo. He you know he's sitting there reading the book, and then um, oh, one of the best quotes ever. He runs and he sees Gandalf. He's like, "You're late." And he's like, "Master Baggins, a wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to." Yeah, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is just so perfect. Um, the, 
it just makes me want to visit New Zealand so badly. Yeah, or in the Shire that's there. Yeah, the Shire and and I think the, the the plains of Rohan, like all of that great landscape. I mean, New Zealand is the most natural source of the this planet. This is so isolated. It's just not completely riddled with pollution and Americans <laughs> and <laughs> we're the worst. Like seriously though. Um but wow. It just, started with Europe and their colonization. Wow, wow, wow. Those so Did many... they ever colonize not to get off in like history. Did they colonize they went to Australia. I think Great Britain did. I don't and they made it a prison. I don't know. But did they ever go to I think New Zealand were kind of just a bunch of islands and they never actually did it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um but yeah, even from like cuz I'm I'm pretty sure Peter Jackson and his wife are from New Zealand. Yeah. Okay, and that's that's And why. they you know they actually cast a lot of people from there. Did they? Yeah. Okay. Um but yeah, so from the casting to Howard Shore's um, soundtracks for the films, it's actually funny. Um, I'm pretty sure they uh, just released the entire soundtracks on vinyl, and it's like ten different vinyl soundtracks mm-hmm. of all the movies. Oh well, I'm not gonna buy it because Lauren would like literally divorce me because I've been spending money a lot. On yeah. Those, um, recently, but um, you know, from the music to the camera work, the way Peter Jackson films certain scenes, I think is just amazing. Um, this just the places that they filmed were so good. The special effects, even dare I say, seventeen years later, still look amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's movies that have been filmed in the past five to eight years that already are are looking super aged. aged. Yeah, um, and that movie still, I think, twenty to thirty years from now, is still going to look great. Um, yeah, the way that everything is like, there, I mean, there's some CGI in the movies. Hobbit is certainly. Um, an offender of that, but like I felt like there was so much. I mean, it was kind of like. So let me say this real quick. I I, I ca- think I know where you're going. With so, this. Yeah. So it was kind of like, um, Lucas's original trilogy for Star yep. Wars. It was more practical effects, as were Peter Jackson's original trilogy of Star or uh, Lord of the Rings. You, you need to watch the making of it because yeah. they go into the amount of practical effects oh, and work and the- like the costume designs and how like. Oh, it's the amount of time that those urukai must have had to sit in a chair and get all that makeup done is insane. They to go me. into like feet work yeah. for the hobbits. Insane to me. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's crazy. But but so my point with all of that was that I, I very much liken um you know this trilogy, the Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King, to Lucas's original trilogy of Star Wars back in um, the late seventies, early eighties, and then his Hobbit movies, which are CGI riddled, are kind of like the prequels, which. I think I still he like, wasn't originally supposed to direct it. He was just supposed to clean it up. Yeah, I've I've I I read up in, into that, and it's it's kind of sad how all of that. Well, that's out. why the Samarillion's never going to become a thing because uh, Tolkien's son, who actually finished the Return of the King book, saw the Hobbits and was like, "You didn't do my dad's work justice." Which is fair. Which is yeah, because uh, they're doing a Lord of the Rings spinoff thing, which would have been amazing and would have caused. Millions and millions of dollars. Dude, you're episode. shaking the table, bro. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if they could do some of those battles, like Morgoth and like the lights and yeah. like the Undying Lands and the um, what's what is the civilization? Well, there's just so much of of Tolkien Middle Earth lore that just hasn't been touched yet. Yeah. From a, a filmography standpoint, the Numenorians. Yeah. Yeah. And so it'd be really cool if they can kind of delve into that with the tv show that i though i have serious reservations about that just because lord of the rings is is very precious to me not precious um (laughs) and i don't want them to screw it up because 
I feel like they're already starting to do that with Star Wars. Um, yeah, thanks, Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, well, she might be getting the boot here pretty soon. Yeah, so it's okay rumored in September. Um, and I just, I don't want them to mess it up. You know, they're saying, like, this is the biggest budget show, but dollars mean nothing to me if it's, if, if, if the plot... You need to watch Game of Thrones because it's, like, $18 million an episode. Yeah. And those two directors, I think they're, are they brothers? Those two directors do amazing work. And if they can replicate that into like, imagine the battle scenes. No, dude, I'm so on board (laughs) with that. Trust me. I I just, I'm not sold yet because we have no idea what timeline, what stories they're going to tell. The cast is everything. Yeah. Because the stories might be great too, but if the delivery isn't there, then we have issues. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, that, that I have reservations there too. So, um, I'm, I'm very excited about the prospect of a Lord of the Rings uh, TV show just because I love Lord of the Rings. More Lord of the Rings is always welcome for me. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be really dependent on the production value and character uh, actors and all, all that kind of stuff. But um, As it was with the Lord of the Rings, the original ones. Yeah, and so... Which they I, nailed. Yeah, so. I don't really have anything else that I want to talk about for Fellowship. I just want to say that it's phenomenal. I mean, and if you haven't seen it by now, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, I mean, everything from... Oh, I'll, I'll talk about a few of my favorite scenes. Um, when they're in Aemon Hen and the Urukai are, you know, have come and Boromir tries to steal the ring from Frodo and, you know, Aragorn basically gets on a knee and he's like, Frodo, I was sworn to protect you. And, and Sar- Sauron is trying to, like, sway Aragorn. He's like, Aragorn. You know, he's yeah. like... And, Everyone's like staring at the ring and he grabs Frodo's hand and closes it and he basically just tells him, I would have gone you I would have gone with you to the very end in the very fires of Mordor. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, Aragorn, man, come on, I'm hot for you right now. And then he tells he tells Frodo to My loins. He's like, Frodo, go They're frothy. Run. Because, you know, Sting is turning blue. Yeah. And he turns around and he puts the sword up to his face, and there's just this giant freaking swarm of Orakai. Yeah. And he's just like runs towards them. He's like, ah! you know, he starts fighting them. And then Legolas comes in with, he's just like shooting arrows. Stabbing an arrow through a dude's through face, face. And then Gimli throws his little yeah. axe and he's, oh man, that scene is just so freaking I, awesome. I actually, every time I watch it, because I mean, when I've watched you the movies, we've watched you the movie so many times um, that we obviously know how it ends and like the relationship with, um, like Boromir and stuff with his father and mm. like his brother and stuff. Um, every time that Boromir um, dies and has that last conversation with Aragorn, with Aragorn yeah. I cry yeah. when he says, I would have like followed you, my brother. My, yeah, he's like, you're my, my king. My king. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. character development. Like yeah. that is the greatest representation of character development through a singular movie. Yeah. I think. Um, it just, yeah. he goes from a complete jerk at the council meeting and just saying, we, uh, what is it? They need no, we need no king. Yeah. Gondor needs no king. One does not simply walk <laughs> yeah. into Mordor. Yeah. The greatest meme of all time. Yeah. Um, um, well, actually the meme's wrong for where the placement, like the words are said before he makes that. That's when he's talking Wait, about like the... The use of it? Isn't he talking about like we could use this ring for like our own good type I of thing? I think he's talking about like the poison air and stuff. Okay, yeah. At that. Um, um, yeah. But yeah, no, his... Oh, just such a good scene. And, well, then, and then Aragorn's fight with Lurtz is so awesome. Yeah. You know, when he throws that, the shield, Aragorn's face gets stuck to the tree and he like squirms out of it 
he like uses the sword to like block that little blade that he throws at him. Did you know he actually threw a real blade? No way. No, like the yeah, he actually pulled the wrong prop and threw like the Yurikai threw a real blade at him. That couldn't have been was, Vigo. No, that was Vigo. And he was in character and blocked that Ting was actually a real metal knife that he blocked. <laughs> That's so freaking cool. Like some like or when like in the uh, two towers when he kicks the helmet, like he actually broke his toes. Oh yeah. And that's why it sounded like such a visceral, visceral oh, scream. Were you saying when he thinks that Mary Pippin died? Yeah, like that he broke his toes on the helmet because he kicked the metal also, helmet. Also, too, because he he gets on his knees and he's like, <gasps> no, he broke his yeah, he broke yeah, his toes. And then he just like he's like literally shit like shivering in pain. Yeah, it's because he's in pain. That's so cool. And like ego man, my gosh, he's a and legend. he actually when he was filming carried around his sword to like dinners and things to stay in character. Like, until he ended filming. He actually still is. His wife's trying to get him to stop, but he's just <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm always Aragorn. I will always Is that why you carry around a sword? Ryan, to accounting meetings? Okay. We're getting into stuff we're not supposed to talk about. Yeah. yeah. The credits and the debits don't match? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. No. It's... Yeah, it was such a good scene. But yeah, but then he like, when he stabs Lurtz and Lurtz like looks at him and almost like smiles and he pulls himself further into the blade and then and they, he rips it out and cuts off his head. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. I, um, but I, even, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I just get so excited. I know. I, I just love the Belrog. Yeah. Oh, it's. His design the, is so awesome. And to the, think that there were an army of them. Oh my gosh. Back in the day. And then, like, it's interesting to think that the Belrog were more or less the, like, corrupted angels. So, yeah. like, he's on the same level as Gandalf. And Sar Saruman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy. I mean, like, the wizards, they had their, um, their kind of magical power kind of toned down for when they were sent as the Marar mm -hmm. um, by Eru Iluvatar. Yeah, but like when he could, Yeah, the god of the um, universe, oh the Tolkienverse. Uh -huh, but sure. um, when he comes back as the white, he kind of like is the fully unleashed to the extent that he's like, he can't be hurt by weapons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Except by like magic of his esteem. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even like... Gandalf even the, is the greatest. Even the end of the movie, you know, how... It's kind of set off, set up these these two different scenarios where you have, you know, um, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas, and uh, they have a travel light basically, and he's like, "Let's hunt some orc," yeah. you know, and, and, and of course, you know, Sam has this heroic like, <laughs> he's like, "Sam, go back," and he's like, "I'm going alone." He's like, "I know," I'm and I'm coming with you, <laughs> and he like starts drowning, and of course, Frodo saves him, and they, they you know they they go up the hill and yeah. Um, it just kind of sets up this dynamic uh, situation and it perfectly leads into the two towers that, I don't know. It's just the way that the story is told and set up and filmed. It's, it's just amazing. My dad always likes the return of the King line. Cause we went and saw that in theaters when yeah. it came out uh -huh. was it only counts as one oh, where yeah. it takes like the elephant down yeah. and like everything. The font. Look, Mr. Frodo, it's Oliphant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Um, we, I mean, I know we keep talking about this so often in our episodes we say well we'll do a whole dedicated episode to that but we seriously could dissecting the hobbit movies and the lord of the rings we could make an episode out of that yeah it'd be and, fun and even talking about similar to star wars we could talk about lord of the rings video games because i've played just about all of them yeah because um, i definitely want to get back into my game boy advance lord yeah of the rings yeah um wow we've we're on two and a half hours now so we should probably wrap this <laughs> yeah. up yeah um, whoops 
we love Lord of the Rings and all the random. Walking, I like all the questions walking too. Dead tangents, but yeah, um, yeah seriously, I'm really props to um, Comeback Kid, Nolan, and Travis. My gosh, Travis writing the. Um, a Tolkien-sized novel <laughs> with his uh, top ten. Plus the letters. And, yeah. <laughs> um, we really do appreciate it, you guys. And just the feedback I continue to get over Twitter is, is really pretty humbling that you guys continue to listen to us and actually enjoy our, you know, what we're putting out there. We're actually really jerks in real life. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is all a facade. This yeah. isn't who we are. We're actually um, – yeah, no. But, no, but seriously, we really do enjoy the, the feedback and the positive comments we've received. So – um, yeah. Thank you. Continue to write into the show. Um, we have no idea what we're doing for episode six, so we're probably gonna. We'll figure it out before we start talking on Friday. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna talk <laughs> about that tonight while we while we co-op some uh, Resistance: Fall of Man and beat it and beat it. So yeah. uh, and start the second one. So thank you all so much for listening. We will see you guys next time. And Ryan, any closing thoughts or comments? Yeah. Uh, if you haven't watched The Fellowship of the Ring, come on. Just watch it. <laughs> watch it for Eric. Watch it for Eric. For all of what we just talked about and spoiled, it's, you, yeah. Vigo, I know you're listening, buddy. I love you. I'd love that cast. So good, so good. All right, guys, we've, we rambled long enough. We love you. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. See ya. See ya.